Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode of the show is called uh, We Remember, and that's W-I-I, as in the system. How clever. We're so clever. But I'm going to be honest. Last episode we did the N64 retrospective, and it was kind of fun to get really nostalgic. So, I so do remember we, that. Huh? You do remember doing that? That's good, because it was only two weeks ago. I'd be concerned if you didn't. But anyway, so um, so yeah, it was fun enough to decide to do something similar this time with another system we love, the Wii. But since the Wii is kind of fresh, more fresh in everyone's mind, since it's only generational, we decided we're not going to talk about everything about the Wii. We're just going to pick a couple games that maybe you missed since, uh, well, I guess it's like the Forgotten Gems, if you will, since, you know, Nintendo's still being quiet about NX, uh, we, so we might as well give you something to do that's last gen that you can play while instead of just you know twirling your thumbs. All either gems. One of them is kind of more of a, huh? This looks interesting. Oh, I'm glad I played it one time, and that's it. And if you want to know what that is, you either have to listen to the whole episode or jump to the end using the timestamps for Because yeah, in addition... <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can guess which one it is just by looking at the timestamps. Yeah, but in addition... One of these is not like the other. One of them is not like the other. But in addition to... It's still fun while it lasts, though. It's a unique experience, if that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually all four. That applies to all four that we're going to talk about. So, But anyway, in addition to the Wii, we also have some NX rumblings, even more Pokemon Go and Pokemon Sun Moon news... A look at Nintendo's ramping up, uh, how they're ramping up their holiday plans in some very frugal ways. Uh, plus, your final Ace Attorney 6 verdict. Right? Yeah. So, we, we have a pretty... For, for a period where Nintendo's being very quiet, we still have a pretty decently sized episode. So, use those timestamps. And to start, uh, we're actually going to do something a bit different. We are going to take a first look at what Nintendo's potentially doing at Universal Studios in terms of attractions. Uh, the timing couldn't be any better because you and me, we just got our first ever Disneyland annual passes. And I know Disneyland's not Universal, but, but like I feel like we're now deep into the theme park scene. Like We're very invested in this now, so it's kind of nice that right as that happens, these rumors pop up. I know, for a park we don't have an annual pass to. But by the time the park opens... We could have many annual passes to many parks because it's going to be years from now. Luckily, Universal tends to do this thing in the summer where you buy a day, you get the rest of the year free. So, usually, you don't need any more time than that for Universal. So, but for Nintendo Land, you might. Yeah, or so, not? So, so, just fine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, these rumors. You only need to go once. What? I mean, I, I, well, to Nintendo Land? Oh no, no, no! Once I'm, you hear what might be there, I think you're going to go at least twice. Oh no, no, that's why. Like, Thanks to Nintendo Land and I guess the Harry Potter World because I haven't been to it yet. Yeah, me neither. You only really need to go to Universal once. And That's you're true. Kind of satisfied. It's, it's just, not because it's a bad park at all. Like it's a really good park. It's just really small. You could. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't know. We you, uh, we went in December. I mean, I mean, we went in December. We were there for I think eight hours and then we were done and we haven't been back. Yeah. Meanwhile, Disneyland we got annual passes in mid September. September 25th or 26th? Late September. And you've been there twice. I'm going back the day this podcast goes up, so I'll be there twice. And that's just in three weeks. So, very different experiences. But but what Universal is doing with Nintendo is... Uh, I said Nintendo weirdo. Nintendo is uh, kind of interesting. So, these rumors that we're going to talk about come by way of the unofficial Universal Orlando podcast. Or the UUOP for short, because that abbreviation just totally rolls off the tongue. But, uh, yeah, in the theme park enthusiast world, these guys are actually supposedly uh, pretty 
reputable. Um, I wouldn't say it's a guarantee what they're saying is true, but they have people that are in the know, and it certainly seems more likely. It's more than a grain of salt on this. So the picture they're painting is that there's going to be a full-fledged Nintendo Land, and it's in many ways going to kind of mirror how Harry Potter is. So you're going to... It's going to be mostly the Mushroom Nintendo Kingdom. Nintendo Land as in Nintendo Land? No, as in like a land. They're Like it's being that's dubbed... That's practically a theme park. I know. It's being dubbed Nintendo Land, but it's not Nintendo Land. It's a land full of Nintendo wonderment, specifically Mushroom Kingdom wonderment. Um, from what you, you owe Pietro pouring, it's all going to be Mario, at least at the start. So... Really, it should be Mushroom Kingdom, not Nintendo Land, but whatever. So what's going to start with, according to them, is Peach's Castle, which is going to be a facade that you kind of, an access point to the rest of Nintendo Land, and you walk through it, similar to how Diagon Alley works for the Harry Potter world, or land, or village, I don't know. Why isn't Harry, oh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, that's what it's called, so I guess it's world. But yeah, so you'll go in, and there's Peach's Castle, it's going to be a complete replica you can walk through. Uh, Or like Sleeping Beauty's Castle? Yeah, it's going to be kind of a Magic Kingdom, original Disneyland setup, yeah. But uh, it seems like they could very easily go full Diagon Alley with this. Now, UUOP didn't say this, but to me, this is what Universal does. They did it with Simpsons, they did it with Harry Potter. I imagine you'll walk through and there's going to be shops everywhere selling knickknacks and Nintendo things. Like, there'll be custom food, probably. You know, like Harry Potter Maybe has... the restaurant. Yeah, because, yeah. like, Simpsons has, the, Simpsons has Duff Beer and the Donuts. Harry Potter World has, um... Well, it also has... The Butter Mo, Beer. It also has Mo Shack and Oh, that's Mo's. true. That's right, that's right. I think four eateries. So I could easily see them saying up something like Toad's Tavern, where you go Plus get super mushrooms. and the right, and... The yeah, stuff. yeah. But it, it, it makes... It would make sense for them, like, as you walk through the Peach's Castle to get into the park or to get to the rides, that you go get super mushroom candies or, like... Starmen, which are really just like I guess those would be the candies and soup mushrooms would be like LSD. fried mushrooms. <laughs> what? Why is it LSD? Yeah, LSD, <laughs> exactly. Uh but yeah, so that's so that's the first part is Peach's Castle. And then once you get that beyond that, you're at the rides themselves. And it sounds like the biggest of the bunch is going to of course be Mario Kart themed, because that that's the most readily like that converts easiest to ride dumb, I guess. And it, it makes sense. Um, and what they're saying at UUOP is that the Mario Kart ride will actually be a mix of practical effects and augmented reality. It will not simply be you go from screen to screen in a cart like the Simpsons one or like, well, the Simpsons one, you stay in place and the screens change around you. The Transformers? The Transformers one, yeah. You move from screen to screen and you kind of spin around. It's like, oh, now there's a screen over here. Now there's a screen over there. Now the screen's above you. Now it's below you. So this will apparently be more practical based, but with AR on top. Uh, it kind of sounds like an ideal situation. Like, I feel like, well, we, (laughs) so we have a friend who is a huge theme park junkie, and these few times we've been to Disneyland and everything, he keeps discussing the difference between practical rides and digital. So, like, what Disneyland does with, uh, you know, physical attractions, where you actually see there's the cars from cars talking directly in front of you through animatronics versus there's Optimus on a screen that happens to curve over you or whatever. And how one feels a lot more real than the other. And I guess how, like, pretty much it kind of boils down to the use of projections and CG. And what Disneyland does, sometimes when they do have to use CG, they'll sometimes incorporate it into the animatronics so that the CG enhances or the projections enhance the animatronics. 
opposed to just being projections by themselves or animatronics yeah. by themselves. They blend them in a unique way. I mean, one is a lot, definitely a lot cheaper, and you could turn it out a lot faster, but... But one is more... It loses some of the magic, for lack it of a does. better term. It does. Yeah, because one... Like, it feels like when you have just the ones where it's projections and screens, like, Universal as a whole, the, their new rides really feel like you're just kind of passing through. Yeah. While the Disney ones feel like you're really, like, in it. They feel more like experiences, and these, like... Yeah. Um... It's funny though, like the Universal ones, like Shrek 4D, the Minions, right? Like they're literally just movies. Yeah, you're it, the the Minions one. You sit in a theater in theater in stadium <laughs> seating. Like they don't even hide it. It's a big open room with a screen and stadium seating. But so apparently Mario Kart is going to be trying to move more towards the Disney direction, and I feel like that's Miyamoto's influence. Like Miyamoto's apparently supervising all of this, and he seems more like someone that would want the physical practical. I mean, look at Nintendo's E3 booth this year. Like, that was very physical and real, and they had the props and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to bring their like E3 they're... props to Universal. Here, you <laughs> That'd be extremely this. funny. If, remember the year they had Take the photo ops? pointed at people. Remember the year they had the photo ops where you could, like, pose with a Donkey Kong statue, like, stand in Mario gonna Pipe? Have a permanent home. That's going to literally be the entire Nintendo land. They're not going to build a single ride. Oh, it's, it's just, just four photo ops. It's four photo ops. <laughs> but no, so apparently what they're doing with Mario Kart is they're going to have these practical effects and physical things and then AR on top of them to do exactly what you're describing with what disney does where it's like you know enhancing the physical now the thing i'm wondering is how that ar is going to work because it could be glasses but i feel like the easier thing to do would be to just put projections on top of physical things like of all rides at the one that i thought was kind of interesting in blending the two physical and digital at disneyland at least when we went was monsters inc where most of it was physical, but then they had little things like some of the doors, like, you know, because the doors are how you teleport. Some of the doors are open, and it's just a screen there, but they blend it in a way where it looks like you're actually looking through the door. Or, like, the bad guy in the ride at one point, they projected different things on him so he looked like he was animated or, like, was having some sort of color. Colors, yeah. yeah, some sort of color seizure. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, like, if they did that for Mario Kart, like, if they had practical effects and then they, you know, maybe they shoot a red shell across in front of you, and it's a physical I mean, thing that goes by, yeah. but it has, like, digital... Streaks behind it or something they like could, that. You could do cool. that for item boxes or to make it look like another car has a star. Yeah, it's like yeah, I mean. it could be really cool. So I think I'm thinking that's the route they're going, and I think that if they do that, it's probably the best course of action because they can't do full practical. There's no way, and they can't do full digital. That's just la- that's just playing Mario Kart. Like yeah. you could just stay at home. So this seems like a good hybrid. Um, I will say though that I doubt we're gonna get a. Like, I, it has to be a linear on-track experience, right? Like, there's no way it's going to be like, oh, you're actually playing Mark. It's not going to be bumper cars. I assume, if anything, it's going to be, like, the cars ride at California Adventure, which, for those who have never been on it, you're on, like, a little track. You do, like, a little thing. You're sent through one of two branching paths. You get to see a car get spray-painted or painted, or you get to see a car, like, get go through a police station or whatever. And then at the end, you pull up you in one car, which is basically a roller coaster cart, and someone else in another, and then they race the cars down the track, and they actually randomize who wins. I assume Mario Kart's going to be kind of like that. Hmm. Again, I'm comparing to Disneyland, but yeah. like, that's obviously where Universal's going to look towards, because what they have, they already have. They need to do new things, so they're probably going to look towards what Disney does and try and make it their own. And similarly, Nintendo's very Disney-like, so I feel like Nintendo, if Miyamoto's surprising, he's going to look towards Disneyland and be like, what if we did that, but with hmm. you? So... We can so, only hope. Yeah, either way, I'm, I'm kind of excited. Like, a Mario Kart ride could be really, really fun. 
Any, I mean, the estimate's still like 2020-something? Yeah, so the plan, as far as we've last heard, according to speculation or whatever, is they're aiming to open in Osaka in 2020 in time for Tokyo's 2020 Olympics. And then who knows what's going on with it. We'll have a lot of tourists to make money from. Exactly. And and Osaka's not a huge distance from Tokyo, so... I mean, it's a train ride, but it's not like... Nothing's that far in Japan. Yeah. But, yeah, and then um, Orlando, obviously... Uh, this podcast is talked about, but no one's really talking about LA, so it's hard to say when we're getting it. But, but along with Mario Kart, there are two other rides that were talked about. Uh, the report from UUOP also said that there will be a Donkey Kart, a Donkey Kong Mine Kart roller coaster, which is such an obvious choice. I can't believe we never thought of that. Hmm. So uh, if it's like it makes sense on so many levels. Yeah, I think there are already roller coasters. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of it'd be like the equivalent. Of the, it'd be Nintendo's version of the Mummy Ride. The car actually jumps from track that's to track. what's crazy. That's what they specifically mentioned that. So in their I mean, that's kind in of their report, the thing about right? It. That'd be the hook. In their report, they're saying that there's now tech that can actually create the sensation of free fall on roller coasters. Some roller coasters have it. I the ones they named, I never actually heard of, but nonetheless, some roller coasters have it. So ideally, the gimmick of the minecart track would be you're racing through or whatever. They're gonna get bananas. destroyed as you're on it. Yeah, and then you jump and you actually feel like you're yeah. free falling for a second and then you keep going so that can be really cool do you need to look at all the micro levels in donkey kong country returns or tropical freeze yeah seriously because those get crazy mm-hmm. and what's neat about that is like it's one of those things that's very iconic to donkey kong games but also perfect for a ride <laughs> like you you can't like they're not gonna be like oh ride on the back of a swordfish like in donkey kong country but you can easily do the minecarts. So that's pretty cool, I think. And I imagine it's going to be the equivalent of, like, how The Mummy has a ride at Universal, Indiana Jones has a ride at um, Disney. Both of them are very, like, oh, go into the tombs or go into these deep, dark caves and explore. And in the case of Indiana Jones, actually, there isn't much of a hook with it. It's just that you're on, like, a rickety jeep. And then The Mummy, the hook is you go forward and then you go backwards the same way. So, yeah, Donkey Kong, I assume it'd be, hey, it's kind of the same idea, but free fall, you jump. So it it kind it makes like perfect sense. Either that, or I could see them trying to make it their version of uh, like Big Thunder Mountain. Apes and monkeys. Yep, yep. Mm. But so yeah, that's number two. And then the third attraction that was mentioned is a bit more up in the air, but it's starring Yoshi. It's based on Yoshi's story in some way. No idea what it actually will do. No idea how it will be. But apparently, it was originally going to be only at the Osaka. Universal Studios. The original plan at one point was Osaka gets Yoshi, Orlando gets Donkey Kong, and both get Mario Kart. Now, Universal, according to their sources, uh, UUOP sources, is interested in putting both at at Orlando. They want to expand the footprint in Thailand from the original plan to the point where they're actually going to shut down the old E.T. ride down there, the one where you're on the bicycle over the over oh, the whole city. So they're finally playing yep. catch-up again. Yep, they are. So they're going to remove that supposedly, and put Yoshi in its place. But again, no idea what Yoshi is. I don't know how Yoshi's story could turn into a ride, to be honest. Unless it's kind of an E.T. style thing where you're just like on... Maybe you're on Yoshi. Maybe you're riding Yoshi. I mean, the, the closest thing I could think of just from Yoshi's story, I remember there's a level where you ride these creepy-looking candy cane-looking things. What? And you're just riding them. And every time you jump... And you land on them, they change. They, they, in Yoshi story? Yeah, they're like... I don't remember this. They go either... They either start going up or down. Mm-hmm. And every time you jump on them, they change direction. So you have to dodge enemies by 
constantly jumping to make sure they go straight or up or down. And that's pretty much the only so thing... you're thinking that would be the ride, is you just well, dodge Emmys and jump on I mean, that's like a... I mean, I guess you also jump on top of those um, birds, I forgot what they call them, but... You can also touch fuzzy and get dizzy. Yeah, that's Yoshi's Island, though. I'm pretty sure that's basically just going to be a bar at Nintendo Land. Imagine they had a bar that was touch fuzzy, get dizzy. Oh. But, uh... <laughs> no, what I was going to say is, um, I, I can easily see it being you ride Yoshi... Yoshi's coming all colors, all shapes, all sizes. Actually, only one shape and only one size, but all colors. So yeah, each ride could just be a Yoshi saddle. It's kind and of then, weird that they're like singling out Yoshi's store, even though that's like the one yeah. where they don't ride Yoshi. Yeah, you could at see all. one Yoshi game where Yoshi's not ridden. Yeah, it's so maybe they meant island. I don't know. I mean, that would make that's what their source. That's what their sources said. Who knows if their sources know they're Nintendo? And I mean, and if they are, and if they did mean island, I think. You mean story. No, 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 and if they did mean Yoshi's... Oh, if you, I see what you're no, if, yeah, yeah. if they did mean Island, uh, story, I believe yeah. that one has, like, a skeleton roller coaster level. Yes, it does. Yes, it so, does. I mean, it was in both the original story, and I believe it was in Yoshi's Story DS they brought back. I mean, Yoshi's Island... See, now I'm getting mixed up. It was in Yoshi's Island on Super Nintendo, and I think they brought back for Yoshi's Island. Yeah, yes. and I know New Super Mario World definitely, like, made those a staple, but... Yeah. yeah. I mean... Actually, have... that would be kind of a lot, but it's not very Yoshi-y. Like, that's not a Yoshi no. ride. That's... That's not much different than the Donkey Kong one in the end. No. I think, yeah, the Yoshi one is probably going to be more kid-friendly, more tame. Maybe you ride in Yoshi eggs. Yeah, that's all I thing. Or maybe it's just, uh, like, the teacups, but it's just but Yoshi, it's Yoshi egg. That's really boring. They're going to replace E.T. with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I used to love that E.T. ride. So that, or um, maybe it's just going to be, like, um, I don't know, a bunch of carnival games that are egg-toss. Egg that would be kind of funny if it was Yoshi Carnival. Yeah. That, I would... I wouldn't object. No. I don't know if I'd approve, but I wouldn't object. Or maybe like that Toy Story ride in Disneyland, except it's all like Mario Party mini games, and you just like switch between. That's actually things. a good idea. So yeah, for those who don't know, because I, I keep forgetting that we live in LA, so we know all about Disney, but a lot of people live in. To those folks in Ohio who don't know, there's the Toy Story Arcade Midway Mania. Midway Mania at California Adventure at Disneyland, where literally it's a light gun game, but you are moved from screen to screen, from environment to environment, in a giant spaceship, like Buzz Lightyear-looking spaceship well, thing. Not spaceship. It's like a Buzz Lightyear... I thought it was like a carousel or something. Is it a carousel? I thought it was like a Buzz Lightyear it's, cause like, it's like cockpit. Because it's like a carnival. Oh, maybe it is a carousel. Maybe I'm, I'm, I think I'm mixing it up Yeah, because um, Yeah, because like every, I guess, screen you go to, it's a different game, like something they're throwing hoops, something they're throwing darts... It's one the most, of them, one of the them most is, universal studio style ride. Yeah, it's like Disney. one of them is space themed, one of them is western themed. Yeah. So I remember. I think they're just like generic looking. With the power of the internet, um, I will tell you in a moment. But your internet's a little slow at the moment. So oh yeah, yeah, you're right. They're carnival things. They look like they actually look like they're um, like what hangs from a Ferris wheel if it didn't have the cage on it. Oh, like just the be- the bench those part. Things. Yeah, you know those things. Those totally common things. But yeah, maybe Yoshi should be something like that. Oh. Yeah, you throw eggs. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. That's I just got that. Yeah, I just got that. Toss, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm, it, 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 we're recording out at a late time. Um, anyway, so that's kind of what looks like it's happening possibly with uh, the Nintendo Universal Partnership. And to me, that all sounds really awesome. Like, I wish we would know if it was coming to L.A., but now more than ever, given our new interest in uh, theme parks, it sounds really cool. And what's kind of funny is we might, uh, just coincidentally, this rumor came out and then so did some other reports, and we might actually be learning a lot more about the Universal Nintendo Partnership sooner rather than later. We could potentially know by next episode, because Nintendo has their uh, financial meeting coming up on the 26th of October, 
and two separate Reddit users have reported that they were down at Universal Orlando recently and they saw a blocked-off area by security around the big Universal Studios globe out front, and in front of it was Miyamoto filming with a film crew. And they wouldn't allow any photos, and they wouldn't let anyone near, and he's filming something. And it just so happens that their financial briefing's in two weeks. Mm. Maybe they're putting together a presentation for that. Maybe it's going to be something when they announce the NX. Maybe it's something totally unrelated. Maybe it's to announce Universal Studios Theme the Park first, Adventure 2. The launch. <laughs> oh, the GameCube game. The GameCube game. game. Yeah. Yeah. They need to make it a sequel for a, NX. Yeah, launch game. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? But he's there, and this rumor came out right around the same time. So, just something to chew on. Um, that does actually bring us to NX, though. But, yeah, I, I guess the one last thing is... Um, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> as a new, as a new newly I mean, self-discovered theme park junkie. I mean, hopefully it comes to LA. If not, it's going to be a while before. Oh, it'll for sure come to LA. It's just a matter of whether it comes to LA at first or not. Because like Harry Potter opened in Universal two or three in Orlando Universal two or three years before it made it to LA Universal. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah they had Wizarding World for a while. Yeah, that sounds right. But for some reason, I feel like it didn't exist either. I don't know. It's like both at the same time. Yeah. Maybe because I'm not that into Harry Potter, so that probably helps. I think the Harry Potter one's actually still bigger down in or, or uh, Oh, yeah. Orlando. I mean, they have way more space over mm-hmm. there. I mean, don't they also have, a like, a Marvel thing and a Dr. Seuss world? Uh, I don't think they have Marvel. Marvel used to go to... Used to do things with, I think, Six Flags? No, they didn't. No, that's DC. Yeah, that's DC. Marvel... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. I guess it was. I'm pretty sure they do. I know they Who have, is Woody like, Woodpecker? Also Universal. Oh, okay, then yeah, because Marvel and Universal... Well, now they're losing Marvel, because obviously Disney's putting that in Disneyland. I mean, Tower of Terror is becoming a Guardians of the Galaxy thing in, like, next year, so... Mm. so it's only matter of time. And I think they're going to revamp Tomorrowland a bit to have some Marvel stuff, like Stark Industries and whatnot. Yeah. And if they're not, that is a huge missed opportunity. <laughs> and you're welcome, Disney. You're welcome for the idea. But, uh, but yeah, I think... Yeah, it should be... should be cool. I'm excited. Should uh be. And it, yeah, it should be. I mean, Miyamoto's involved. It can't be horrible. Then again, he also is involved with Wii Music, so. <laughs> but anyway, I mentioned that next. He's so. also involved with Pikmin 3. Hey. Hey. It was a good game. It's just a little short It was content. just good, though. So the theme park will be at least just good. Or it will we'll be, be Ravi Drums playing Invisible Drums at a press conference. Take It'll your be pick. good. <laughs> we'll see if it's great. Yeah. Make Universal great again. Make Nintendo attractions great again. Anyway... I was trying to transition to NX, and it, I failed miserably. But speaking of NX, we are continuing to wait for official news. And while we wait, the rumor mill continues to kind of churn out stuff. And the latest comes from YouTube gaming personality Boogie2988. You may recognize him as the guy that does, like, the fake, basically the fake fanboy. But then he ended up starting doing real videos as himself. And he became this huge gaming personality. What? Never heard of him. Anyone showed me the picture, he... I guess look familiar. Yeah, he did. The, he had this whole like shtick for a while where he was this super insanely nerdy, fake like fanboy that always had outrage videos, and those started picking up steam. And then, not steam is in the platform, but and then, uh, I, 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 hey, yeah, I'm like, no, like I, who who thought otherwise? Uh, there's one person out there that's like, thank you, Jason. I was very confused. I guarantee it. One of those 700 people on there, uh, but. What was I say? Yeah, and then those started picking up steam, and he actually started to post videos as himself because he wanted to talk about real issues like the whole Gamergate thing and everything. And he has a pretty big following now, 
So big enough that he like has his own panels at conventions and stuff, and at, and does interviews at conventions and stuff. And one of these panels he was talking at, and or speaking at, talking at. That's not good English. He was speaking at, speaking at. Gary, <laughs> can you can you? I know. We're, it's gonna be two hours of me correcting myself on speaking versus talking at. And while he was there, he mentioned that he has two people. He knows two people that have played the NX or worked with the NX. One of whom is at Ubisoft, and. They apparently love the concept, first of all, and apparently it's a dream to develop for it. It's their, his words. But what's really noteworthy is how he described the hybrid setup. So, first of all, this guy, I would argue, is pretty reputable. This and is he by, just talk about this stuff? Well, I guess I, he, didn't. Well, he didn't say the source. It's like I heard from people in the know. Mm. But uh, And he only touched on it briefly. He didn't say a whole lot, but you can extrapolate things from it. But, um, first of all, I would take... This is by no means 100% true, but he is... A pretty big personality. I don't think he would ruin his reputation by just making things up like this because, you know, the internet lives forever. The, where he says this is archived in YouTube videos. People can find it. So I don't think he would actually do that. And he is a pretty big name. So it'd be like if, uh, you know, an editor for, I wouldn't quite say it's on the same scale, but like an editor for IGN or something like, oh yeah, I heard blah, 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 and was totally making it up. Like that'd be weird. Uh, so anyway, what he was saying is yes, it's a hybrid. And it's one unit that connects to your TV and can be played on the go. But he described the game experiences as different. Or so, or I should say his uh, Ubisoft contact said so. So he described how an Ubisoft employee was telling him that you could hook it to your TV and play Assassin's Creed, for example. Not saying Assassin's Creed is coming, just as an example. But then if you detach it and take it with you as a portable unit, you're now going to play the mobile Assassin's Creed game. In other words, what he's saying... Is it changes games? It's a home at home. It's a home console on the go. It's a portable system. It's not one device with a screen on either you know on a TV or on your device. It's literally two devices in one that share, I guess, a memory bank or something. Which is a little different than what everyone has been thinking it would be. I'm just picturing like I'm at home playing like and that's I don't know like like like. I don't know, New Super Mario Brothers U. Yeah. Then you take it off and all of a sudden it's like... New Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of kind of what it sounds like it's implying, right? And yeah. if it's true... Well, going back to the, um, the Assassin's Creed thing, you get the platform one and then you get the... The third person, eagle eye view, I'm going to shank a guy in the stomach game. Yeah. Yeah. If it's true... Makes sense on a certain level. Doesn't that mean you have to develop like two games at once? That's what's weird. So first, that makes sense. I feel like we should we should probably start with how this makes sense, and then I am ready to rip it apart because I have so many things I hate about this idea. Uh, I mean, it could be cool on some level, but first, like it, like I was starting to say, it does make sense on a certain level. I mean, Iwata spent so much time. It definitely sounds like something developers wouldn't want to mess with if they're just making like games to throw a, a huge net on right like it there's so many issues with it but it's like, like it's, a, it's pretty much another complimentary console at this point well yeah i think that's what was going to be from the start i mean nintendo's been saying there or not nintendo but people have been reporting Eurogamer, mcv all these sites have been reporting that nintendo's not targeting core gamers they're tar- they're trying to upgrade mobile gamers like blue ocean mobile gamers into becoming like mobile plot like more than just a mobile gamer more of an actual gamer so smartphone people they want to bring into this not dumb down PS4 people but bring up on the go you have Candy Crush Saga and and at at home you have like 
Candyland, the digital Candy board Crush game. Candy Crush Universe. Candy Crush, yeah. But, but I mean, it kind of makes sense, because Iwata has been, was saying back when he was still doing the financial briefings and everything, he kept saying how Nintendo needs an underlying operating system, all their games need to run on the same thing. He was saying he wanna make, they want to make it like iOS, where you know it could scale to different sizes. This is all pre-NX. I think we talked that about that. they teamed up with Apple so they could get close and so they could steal their, their secrets. Yeah, study their OS exactly. But um, <laughs> but it uh, yeah, there it, it's all all about trade secret stealing and you know corporate espionage. The Nintendo Ninjas they don't hide secrets anymore apparently because we're talking about their secrets. They instead go steal. I other imagine people's. the next one's like a weird altered version of OS X. You know what would be really funny is if like the NX ended up being just like <laughs> I don't like a. a I can't even... What's a failed Apple product? I can't even... Like an iPod Hi-Fi. Like they retrofitted the iPod stereo and stuck a screen on it. Apple's console. actual console? Is that what you're talking about? No, the... Uh, oh, yeah, the Pippin. That would be a good... Yeah, the Actually Pippin. a good example, but... But, um... No, Apple but what Watch. the... What? Apple Watch? The Apple Watch. Yeah, the, how hmm. mad would the internet be if the NX was a, like, 1.8-inch screen in diameter and you could play, like, just solitaire with mario faces on it or something like bring back mario goldfish it'd be like or maybe what if the nes classic editions the nx in disguise and then they released it and they're like see nx here you go it was under your nose the whole time man the internet would die but what i was starting to say is it's gonna um, come with a like a trailer of like exclusive games or something coming out for the it's gonna be like an next trailer you know to be honest if the nes classic edition had a secret had an option in its menu to look at like if they announced the nx through the nes classic edition or reveal games for the first time through that can you imagine how much people would freak out about that like that would be a great way because all the internet folk would die instantly basically they'd freak out so much (laughs) and then Christmas morning, all these kids are going to see all these cool games on their new NES Classic and be like, oh my god, I want that thing too. <laughs> Parents will hate it, because it's like, we just bought little Timmy this, and now little Timmy wants that too, but little Timmy lives on. But, um, yeah, it'd be a very smart marketing move. Yeah. But anyway, what I was going to say about Iwata, <laughs> I did have a point here, is he kept saying like about iOS, how they try and mimic that, and how it needs to scale in a similar way to iOS to different sizes. And based on the hybrid rumors we heard prior, where it was one device that could be on a TV or on a portable, that literally meant, I feel like we literally interpreted it as it had to be games that can play nice on a small screen and play nice on a big screen. It had to literally scale. If this rumor is true, what he may have actually been saying is that games of all types, graphically intense ones with a lot of meat on the bone or like versus like a simplistic stripped-down game that's more for on-the-go gaming, those have to run on the same underlying platform because the hardware is the same single piece of hardware. Like home game and on-the-go game, those would need an underlying OS that can play nice, which is why, in theory, you could argue they brought together their console and handheld teams because they're now developing one device that can do both types of games versus what we previously thought, if this is true, of one device that plays one type of game in two different situations. So I could kind of see where that's coming from. And another reason it kind of makes sense is, like I said, um, Nintendo's going for the mobile market, or supposedly they're trying to upgrade people. The blue ocean they're going after is smartphone folk. So smartphone games do best when they're simple. Uh, And if you have a few minutes to spare, you can play Pokemon Go, you can play Candy Crush, you can play Super Mario Run when it comes out. You're not necessarily going to go explore the world of Bioshock. It's just, they ported it to iOS. It did not do too well, I don't think. 
they port Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City to iOS, and how many people are just like, yeah, I have five minutes on the bus, let me run over some prostitutes. I don't know how common that is. So this, in theory, would kind of adapt to that mindset. If, again, if it's true. But then there's all the problems with it, which you already started to touch on. Um, I think the biggest, arguably, is it sucks for developers. Yeah, it just seems like way more work than they're probably willing to invest. Yeah, because, like, you're basically telling them to build two different experiences for two different d- devices, but you have to bundle them in the same game. You need, like, a TV at home experience, and you I need mean, a portable experience. that just sounds like experience. really expensive games, too. Yeah. I mean, is that supposed to counterbalance, uh, I guess, what's supposed to be a really cheap console? Yeah. That's the thing, is it is supposed to be cheap, so it would counterbalance it. And, and the weird thing is, like, you could say, well, Nintendo doesn't have to make it mandatory. You can very easily, like, you want to have two games in one, have two games in one. You want to have one game you play on both big and little screen, do that. It's going to be another situation to go on. Even Nintendo's not making the yeah. portable versions yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's going to be like Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze all over again. It's like, the Wii U gamepad isn't even on. <laughs> yeah, when I take it to go, I just get, um... I get the same nothing. thing. But but what's funny about that is if they do that, if they make it optional, you know what that's called and exists today? Modes. Games come with modes. Different modes have different things. There's story mode. There's multiplayer. They, if they're going to do that, don't mandate that on the go it's one type of game and at home it's another type of game. Just say, here's the, like, 2D mode. Here's the, or, you know, in Assassin's Creed, here's the, like, the prologue and the prologue's side-scrolling and then here's the main game or whatever. But, like, to man to be like when you're at home it's this experience, when you're on the go it's that experience. That just seems weird. What seems super weird about that to me is that the 3DS has proven that people don't only want lighter fare on mobile or only want serious fare on a console, as we see with, like, you know, Game of Wario or Yeah, but or I mean, well, I don't know, I feel like there's some truth to that, some, I don't know, I guess situational stuff to that. Well, of course, yeah. Well, just because, um, like, a lot of the big games that, I, that are on the 3DS, I feel, would do just as well on the console, except yeah. that they're just on the 3DS. Yeah, but... Uh, because a lot of people play 3DS at home, and a lot of people yeah. don't play Wii. Actually, some people take the Wii U to the airport and plug it in, so that's a thing, too. That's the thing, like, a good majority of the games that I play on the 3DS, I really just play at home. Just because you play them for, like, really long sittings. Like, I feel like those games of mine will just have been on console. Right. But but it's kind of like, you know what it kind of is? Because I do the same thing. I most I play most of my 3DS games sitting on the couch. Like, I think we actually talked about a while ago when we were talking about the hybrid being a good idea as just one device that can be played in multiple play or, you know, like, the screens change size, but it's really one device at the end of the day, is, it's, I feel like gaming's a lot like Netflix now, where, like, if I want to watch Netflix on my TV, I'll watch it on my TV. If I want to watch it on my laptop, I'll watch it on my laptop. I have the choice to do either. It's the same content on both. And you could see it happening with 3DS. Like you said, there's a lot of big games. Take Majora's Mask. Want to play it on your TV? It's on Virtual Console. Want to play it on your 3DS? Or, like, play it on the couch? It's on your 3DS. Nintendo's been kind of ingraining this idea in our heads for a while now that, like, it doesn't matter what system it's on. It's the experience you're playing. So to then do the opposite and be like, oh, well, if you want the TV, like, the big experience you play on your TV, if you want, like, the -the on-the-go experience you play on the portable... It's like, well, if I want to play the big experience on the portable over here on the couch that's in a different room, I can't do that anymore. Like, for two years, they've been conditioning us the other way. I mean, the Zelda ports on 3DS, Smash Bros. on 3DS, and Wii U being the same, Donkey Kong Country Returns coming to 3DS, uh, Hyrule Warriors Legends coming to 3DS, Xenoblade Chronicles coming to 3DS, these big meaty games like Fire Emblem on 3DS. 
feels like if they did this whole crazy thing where it splits, it's literally the exact opposite of what they've been training us to think about, like, gaming is gaming wherever gaming may be, much like Netflix's watch on any screen. Like, it really feels like they're doing complete 180 out of nowhere. They're kind of pulling the rug out from under the exact mindset they just conditioned us into over, like, the last generation. So, for that reason, I'm a little hesitant to think this is even true. But it's interesting nonetheless, and it's something people don't really consider, because we always talk about the hybrid as, like, one device, multiple screens, when it may actually be two devices, one physical unit, in I a mean, way. <clears throat> I feel like the this idea that, like, at least this way, it kind of guarantees, like, all right, everyone will have one. If you have this game, like, you don't have to worry about your other friends and won't have to buy an extra competency to play multiplayer with them or something. Yeah, yeah uh, that's true. That's like, I don't know. One of the only side benefits. Yeah. And what's weird is, like, we still know so little. Like, because that'd be a cool perk, but that's based on, that's contingent on which of these rumors ends up being true. We know nothing. We know know so little. But just to add more fuel to the fire. We think we know. We think we know, but we have no idea. If anyone gets that MTV Diary reference, high five yourself. Uh, That, that's, did you ever watch MTV Diary? So in the nineties, early two now, so you did. In the early two thousands, MTV had a, a documentary where a documentary show where they follow artists around for a day, and they'd always have the artist start by saying, "You think you know, but you have no idea." This is the diary of, in this case, NX, but this is the diary of Mary J. Blige or Britney Spears or whoever. So that was that. Mm. That's what that reference was. But to add more fuel to the fire, because why not? Uh, around the same time that Boogie was describing this hybrid setup with the like, you know, two devices in one. There was also a quote-unquote verified leak that came from the NX subreddit with an interesting tidbit that backs this very rumor that Boogie's saying. So first off, to clarify, uh, the moderators of the subreddit claim that this information is from a verified first-hand source. They mm. s- I don't know. The moderators apparently actually insist certain rumors get through and some don't. And they're saying this guy works at, is involved in some way with a large retailer who has access to NX promotional materials. They verified he works there. He could be making it up even if he does work there. But the timing of this and what Boogie was saying is weird because one of the things the insider said is the marketing materials use the phrase interact with your games on the go. That's the whole, like a full quote, interact with your games on the go. Mm. Not play them. Interact. So maybe... Yeah, exactly. It's that's their launch lineup: Nintendogs and uh, Universal Studios Theme Park Adventures Two, or whatever it's called. But uh, yeah, now it, it's pretty cryptic to say interact. I feel like so. It's almost as if, to me, to back Boogie's own claim, the hybrid aspect maybe is not the same gaming experience everywhere. Maybe mm-hmm. it is two different experiences. Maybe it is what Boogie's saying, where you get one thing on one device and one thing on another. But perhaps he's slightly misinformed. Here's my crazy theory. What if what they're saying is you play at home, you have your full home experience, you play on the go, you have the option to play on the go, or you put it in kind of a passive mode and you basically have Street Pass and things like that that work like kind of more on the go. Like almost like Pokemon Go style where you can play for a minute here, a minute there, and it's still pools in a bigger thing, and that bigger thing just happens to be when you sit down and actually play. So maybe they want you to treat it like a smartphone. Maybe you keep it with you. You get little things here and there. And then when you're ready to play, you pull it out and you either plug it into a TV or sit on the couch and just The, the, the size is still like... The size well, is kind of daunting. It's like supposedly yeah, a like, six-inch screen. Like, is this going to be something that you pretty much need a bag for? Or, I mean... Is it, I don't know. I mean, that, I mean that's the same... thing we don't know. Like, yeah, it's... it. 
it would have to. I imagine it's about game pads. Uh, it has to be a little smaller than the game pad, but the things gonna be specked out too. If this NX, if this NX subreddit rumor is true, like the things gonna be able to stream 4K video, all games gonna run 1080p, 60 frames per second. It, it's you can't pack all that necessarily in that tiny of a device and still have room for controllers. Oh, maybe with some Nintendo Magic and um, yeah, and you don't want it to be too small either. Like it can't be smaller than a DS screen, mm-hmm. I assume. Maybe it's a, maybe it's like a Game Boy Micro size. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe it's the Famicom Mini in Japan. Yeah, it's slightly off of my uh, NES Classic theory. But either way, um, those rumors actually also say take it or leave it. It's going to be two ninety nine. There'll be a three ninety nine bundle with some extra stuff. We don't know what. There'll be four launch tiles. Obviously, Zelda's one. Mario will be another. Um, and it'll for, and I think that might be it for that rumor. But also, NOE, a rep at Nintendo of Europe, has confirmed on Nintendo's mobile, uh, not mobile, indie dev, like, relations website. Like, they have a forum where developers can talk that, yes, we are still getting news this year. So, regardless of any so. of these rumors, regardless of what Boogie said, what we previously discussed about hybrids, what the NX subreddit people are saying, we should know in due time what is actually going on. But, according to Boogie... With your guess. Uh, I was just going to say real quick, though, that according to Boogie, whatever it is, whether his source is right or not, the Ubisoft folks seem to love it as developers. So, my guess, I can't see them doing this thing where you have to play different modes and different experiences. Like, I can't see it being, like, Assassin's Creed here, but mobile Assassin's Creed there. I could see it being Assassin's Creed wherever you want, but if you're mobile, there's, like, a sleep mode, where as you walk around, it can passively do things. That I can see. Like, basically, Street Pass built into every NX game. Every NX game is basically Pokemon Go. Every NX game is Pokemon Go. Every NX game involves you swiping up at a thing projected in AR. You can catch... uh, 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 You can catch anything. (laughs) But that that joke fizzled out. But, yeah, no, I I can see it being... Pokemon Go is not the best example for the passive thing. It's more like Street Pass or, or Tag Mode from... Back in the DS days, the pre-Street Pass. That's my guess. That's true. So I agree with that. Yeah, but you think you think it's probably that too. Yeah. I, I just can't see it being the the two totally different experiences. It doesn't make sense. That seems like the more exciting one, but more uh, exciting, but it's not practical. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just want, if if they could somehow pull it off in a in a way that makes sense, then by all means do it. But it's kind of like the dare. Like I know it's not going to be it. Yeah. So. And and the other weird thing about that, that I just realized is if Nintendo's making smartphone games like Mario Run or whatever, and then the portable version of their next Mario game is basically Mario Run, why do they have Mario Run? <laughs> like, I mean, I know why they have Mario Run because that's the hook to get you into the my Nintendo ecosystem, but that just seems redundant. Mm. And apparently, all the smartphone games will run on the NX. Like, they're going to make it so it crosses over. So that's even more. Wow. Well, that was a rumor. That's interesting now that I think about because that was a rumor from before Mario Run being a limited, a timed iOS exclusive. And the logic at the time was the Android games would be ported onto NX because those are more... Like, iOS is more of a closed environment in terms of its code and stuff. But now that Mario Run's at least a limited Mar- uh, iOS exclusive, I'm not sure how true that rumor will be. Or maybe it does have some iOS underpinnings. I mean, or I guess they could still figure out a completely different way to yeah. make you play Mario without one hand. Uh, yeah. With no hands. he It plays itself. You just watch. Oh, man. You have to say jump. <laughs> oh, God. That'd be the worst. Can you imagine people on trains being like, J- jump. Sounds like jump. from Mario Party 6. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, the voice control ones. Yeah, yeah the microphone. That. Left, was that an actual thing? Shoot. Yeah, it was. So how did the mic work? Aren't you, you all shying at the same time? How does it know who's saying what? No, one? it's just one person. It's oh. a, It would be like a one versus four minigame. Mm-hmm. So one person would be on the mic, they would shout commands, and presumably you would win that way. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I'll totally different note. We're just going to pivot hard. Uh, as has become tradition on the Round podcast in the last few months, we're now going to go from NX to Pokemon. That seems to be the transition we do every single time, but that's just how the news flows. So... Like, no, but seriously, this is like the fourth or fifth episode we've done this. Uh, but yeah, so this time, it's not just Sun and Moon. We also have Pokemon Go no- news to discuss. And that's because the fine folks at Niantic are actually working on real improvements that actually make the game better and help fight fatigue. Because even me, I was playing it pretty heavily much longer than you were. And even I got bored of it. Like, I was just in Tennessee, which should have new Pokemon, and I should be like, oh, cool, all sorts of rare Pokemon. I opened it twice. For only two minutes. Mm. If this was two months ago, I would have been on it nonstop. So, for me, the issue boils down... Well, really, the issue for, everyone, for Niantic is as player retention. But for me, it boils down to the fact that I'm always seeing the same Pokemon. And I'm always going to a gym and dealing with Pokemon that are way too powerful and saying, You know what? Not worth it. And just backing away. So, if I can't catch Pokemon because there's no one good to catch. And I can't battle at gyms because they're all too powerful... What am I supposed to do in the game? You play a different game until it gets better. And now they fixed it, so now I might come back. So first up is the catching. They, well, I mean, you probably know this from when you play Pokemon Go, but if you get these medals every time you catch a certain number of a certain type of Pokemon. Like, oh, 10, po- ten bug Pokemon, congrats, you get whatever That's medal. No, yeah. yeah. And they were completely pointless. Well... Not anymore. <laughs> so um, so what they're doing now is the medals you get as you rank them up, you will now get to see or have the opportunity to catch rarer Pokemon of that type. So if I catch 20,000 Rattatas, my chances of getting a Chansey are going to be much higher now because they're both normal types. Or if I get a whole bunch of Charmanders, I might start seeing more Magmars or something like that. The idea is... You're going to see a lot of common Pokemon, but in addition to leveling up to see new Pokemon, you can now, just by catching those common Pokemon, continue to catch them, start to see less of those common Pokemon, and more, and they'll be replaced more and more with rarer Pokemon. So it's a good way to get you to kind of be like, okay, yeah, I did catch all these Pokemon, I did get all these medals, now here's why I went through all that effort. There's actually new Pokemon to see and new things to do, so that's kind of cool. That's the catchy thing. I think that would actually help. Cause it was still no ditto or birds and stuff, huh? They still haven't even announced how they're going to roll it out. I just saw an article today that was like, Niantic's still figuring out rollout of new Pokemon. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, guys, you should have had this mapped out months ago, really. Like, the fact that this catching stuff is only really kicking in now kind of says a lot. But uh, but still, it's it's a seems like a balanced way to start seeing more interesting Pokemon and to actually, like, level, you know, in addition to leveling up, to get you to actually play more. Then there are the gym fixes. Uh, namely, gyms of your own team. So before, you could take one Pokemon, go to a gym, and train it up. You just got that one Pokemon until it fainted, and you went as high as you could. And the opponent's Pokemon, no matter how strong or weak they were, if you knocked them down, you got a slaw in the gym, etc., etc. Mm. However, as more people have played and gotten better, the Pokemon at those gyms have gotten very powerful. And if you only have one Pokemon and you're new to the game or you haven't trained it much yet, so it's low CP, low level, That's what you it was, can CP? never... Yeah, CP. Combat points. Ah. 
But yeah, you can never actually beat a Pokemon and make a spot for yourself in the gym. So it's kind of like, how do I train if I can't ever get past the first Pokemon or anything? So what they did is, one, you can now take a team of six Pokemon to the gym, which is a big plus. And two, this is the biggie, the CP of the Pokemon in your team's gym, all your teams, not opponents, is dynamic and will change in ratio to yours. In other words... If you're someone new to the game or if you're not level 32 and you're only level 18 like me, you can still go to a gym that your team has. And because they're your allies, the game's not going to punish you for them being powerful. They'll just bring them down to your level so you can train and get to their eventual level. And as you rise up, it'll rise up. Every time I try to train on one of my own gyms, or I wouldn't say my own, just my colors gym. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Pokemon were way too strong and I couldn't ever beat one of them. So I didn't really make any progress. And this fixes that. Four months later, five months later, but nonetheless, it fixes it. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a huge plus in terms of like not just building more teams, the idea of like more of a team identity because more people are going to be involved in gyms now, but also just to help you as a trainer individually. But on the flip side, in theory, it could also make it much harder to go conquer other teams' gyms, which is kind of disappointing because it's already a pain. Like if you. If you are training easily at your gym, that means a guy on the other team, on Instinct or whatever, is over there training easily at his gym, which means when you want to go take their gym, now their gym's significantly higher, and you still have to climb that ladder of levels and whatnot. In other words, it's all you're all moving up in ratios, so while it's easier for you to level up, you're not actually getting any true benefits from leveling up, because everyone else is also having an easier time leveling up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like It's like you're just kind of moving up the ladder in tandem, like in parallel together. So... It's probably a wait and see thing to see if it actually has real benefits or not. Like this might just be me being pessimistic, but it does kind of seem like an oversight that there's no way to do it. So like, oh well, we'll let these players be better than those players. Like that's unfair. But if everyone can now do everything the same way as before, is anything really changing at all? It's just giving you more just, interaction. Yeah, with it's the just going to mean higher level gyms, yeah. even higher level, and that's about it. There, the gym across the street from my house had nine Pokemon in it the other day wow. and I was like yeah no you didn't even try to take one down no because they're all too strong oh you think you would which is why I think this issue will still exist because everyone's just going to be stronger in tandem but but we shall see I mean overall to be fair to Niantic I'm actually pretty happy to see that they're tackling specific pain points with Pokemon Go and they're doing it head on they're doing it in mostly creative ways like the concept of the app is still so cool and I really do like it it just started to drag because there was nothing new it was always the same pokemon it was always those gyms you can never conquer the gym thing we'll see but the pokemon thing at least i'm now gonna start seeing some new pokemon which is a nice plus so the real the real thing that's gonna get me back in it though is the app for the watch i cannot wait for that apple watch because i can definitely see myself playing a lot more once i have that because if you combine that with the new Pokemon you'll see, it makes it like a whole new experience practically. I definitely like the, I mean, I'm never going to get to experience it, but I just say you could set the workout or like, oh, I'm going to set the workout and it just counts towards that. This is going to sound ridiculous and sad, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. And I might have said on a different episode, but it, I still feel it's ridiculous and sad, but I'm still staying true to it. Between WatchOS 3 being like much snappier and Pokemon Go with the workout being a workout, this may get me exercise. I don't do much exercise. I'm kind of lazy. I'm, I like to sit. But this may get me to not sit. I mean, whatever it takes. A lot of people, I mean, that's literally how they got started, so. Yeah. But, like, it, it's like, that was Niantic's goal. 
Like, they just wanted to get people out in the world more, and it seems to be working. Uh, I hope, though, that they do all this sooner rather than later with the watch, because, like, you know, they want to hold on to the players they have left. And the number the number has been has been going down, obviously. I mean, I I was speaking to... I was preaching the Gospels of Pokemon Go for so long on this podcast, and I don't even play it much anymore, so... When was the last time? Uh, well, I mean, I, when I was in Tennessee last week... Oh, when you I, I checked, but the last time I like actually like played for more than like ten seconds, uh, a couple weeks, probably. So it's been a little while. Now, to be fair to Niantic, actually, they do still have a very large user base. So even if people are dropping off, they still have a ton of people, including the Prime Minister of Nor- of uh, Norway. I don't know if you saw that, but the Prime Minister of Norway was caught. At Parliament, playing Pokemon Go while someone was giving a speech. The ironic oh, thing, him. The, her, oh her. The ironic thing is, the person giving the speech was previously caught back in August in that same Parliament room playing Pokemon Go while someone else was talking. So it's karma, I think. But and not only is there that Norwegian Prime Minister, but also when I was sitting in the Memphis airport, heading back to LA from, at the end of my trip, um, there's I, I can't make this up. There's a group of elderly women. I would say in their fifties or sixties. Sitting like southern women's, like you know, stereotypical. Like, if they, they everything, sun hats and... not quite sun hats because what would you do with that in an airport? Oh, but, yeah. but yeah, like if if you could walk around with alcohol in an airport, I'm sure they would all be holding mint juleps. But they were all sitting there in their southern attire, very southern accents, discussing strategies about hatching eggs in Pokemon Go. Three of them all had the game open, all in their 50s, all talking Pokemon Go, and I was like, well. Because Niantic's still doing something, right? Because here you go. You got middle age, middle to upper age women playing. They should ask their grandchildren. Hmm? They should ask their grandchildren. Oh, yeah, they should. They probably would get some actual <laughs> useful information. Because they were just like, well, you got to walk with... I can't do this other accent, but it's like, you got to walk with the egg and then take it down to the... And it's just like, yeah, there's no real strategy beyond that, but okay. got to walk They're talking about their incubators and all sorts of stuff. More significantly, though, than just my anecdotal evidence and Norway's Prime Minister, a analytics firm called uh, Nuzu says that Pokemon Go is still seeing 700,000 new downloads a day around the world. So it's still pretty massive. Well, I mean, it's still getting rolled out around exactly, the world. Exactly, that's why. So... And they haven't even added it to China or South Korea, and those are both going to be huge markets once they do. They're actually still making $2 million a week in revenue. Hmm. Granted, that's down from the 20-plus they were making, but still $2 million is nothing to scoff at. And apparently, 24% of Go players didn't actually play any other mobile game in the past three months, which New Zoo, New Zoo argues is an indicator that uh, Go has brought 20 million new people into the world of smartphone games. Which, if that's true, that's insane. So, the point is, the appeal's still there for Go. Niantic's doing more they can more to get to keep people engaged and go. There's just more they should do at a faster clip. But we're making progress, finally. Finally making progress. That's the thing like I want well, I mean I guess at this point it doesn't matter if they go faster or not, but I guess speaking for the people, like I kinda hope they I guess they go on with these updates a little faster so they could start moving on to other Pokemon. But mm-hmm. at the same time I don't want them to blow through the Pokemon too fast because I mean Because then you're yeah, what's left, yeah. Yeah, like when I mean, I mean, I guess this game has to end at some point. No game can last forever. And it's like, the only games that I feel have that ability are fighting games. Just because there's no real way to beat them. And Tetris. Yeah, Tetris. Tetris lasts well, forever. Well, I, I mean, score attack games. Yeah. But, 
Yeah, um, it'll be we'll interesting see. to see what happens. I mean, so that, that's more like the the casual Pokemon space, but I feel like for core gamers, I'd argue what's on their mind is a totally different Pokemon game, Sun and Moon. What? That was a buttery smooth transition. That was like, that was pretty good. But yeah, so for the for the first time, I believe, uh, Pokemon Company actually had two uh, batches of Pokemon news released since our last episode. It's usually about every two weeks, so you know, you get our episode Pokemon, our episode Pokemon, but they managed to cram two in and uh, to start, they revealed a lot of new Pokemon. So I don't think we're going to run through the whole deck here, but they did announce the three starters' middle evolutions, or their second evolutions. Uh, Leaf Bowtie-wearing Rowlet now evolves into Hair Wisp-wearing... Uh, or not wearing... What, what would you call Hair Wisp? Hair Wisp-rocking hair wisp Dartrix? I, I was trying to what? think of it. I was trying to describe because I was saying, you know how Rowlet has his little bow tie? Uh-huh. His little leaf bow tie? Well, now his evolution... Dartrix has like this weird hair wisp the, that comes out. He has like uh, a single bang that comes down. Yeah. He looks goth. Or he emo. Looks, he looks conceited, like pretentious yeah. or Yeah. It's it's so great that he like whips the hair with the history, too. like the kind of person that would drink some coffee and complain about it even if it's really good. I don't know. The kind of person that's a little too into craft beer. Yeah, he just seems like <laughs> that. Well, it makes sense if he came from someone wearing a bow tie. Because, like, bow ties, suspenders, all that, that's pretty hipster, too. But, uh, so, yeah, we now know that Dartrix is a thing. Litten becomes Torocat, and Poplio becomes Brion, or Brion, or Brion. I'm pretty sure it's Brion. I, I think it's Brion. Which, thing. now, for me, Dart, I am now certain that uh, Rowlet's my starter, because Dartrix, in his pretentiousness, is, like, he's the I best. so you. Oh, thanks, man. I'm pretentious. Okay. I don't even have a big bang coming down, or wear bow ties, or get way into craft beer. Give it time. No, I, I won't. I'm going to make my point now, and it's still <laughs> valid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I think, I think I'm going with Rowlet, but I don't know. Which of the three, based on the first two of the three evolutions, which who's your fave so far? Uh, based on the middle evolution? Yeah. I'm going to guess not Brion. No, but I guess about to lay, like label them just based solely on the middle evolution. It could be the first two combined. Like oh. which two make the best opinion uh, to you? I don't know because I like Rowlet from the first evolutions. Right. I like, well, Rowlet and Poplio are pretty close, but Rowlet first, and the second evolution I'd probably put Brion first and then Dartrix or whatever it's called. A poor Toracat gets no love from either of us. Yeah. Now, really Brion actually got quite the backlash, which surprised me. Like, there's this whole weird... Well, first of all, it <laughs> the Pokemon is described as, quote, the pop star Pokemon, which is weird in and of itself. But the... There's this, like a circus performing. Right? Like, yeah, and then he becomes like a pop star, and like his, the like frills that he, she has around his body kind of look like dress. Looks like a, it has like bad eyelashes. Looks like a pop star. Yeah. Female pop star. But some people on the internet weren't happy about that. They said that Brion looked too feminine. Oh, they didn't seem to have a problem with Gardevoir. Yeah. Or or the birds, the dancing birds, they all look very feminine. Yeah. Or Chansey, who literally has a giant egg pouch. Or the... What's the name? Survivor... Well, not Survivor. Um, Superior. I mean, that's yeah. kind of... There's funny. a lot, but I guess they're upset because, like, hey, that's a starter that you may look feminine, but, like, what? It's a Pokemon, guys. It's... Just, it, it's gender's next to its name. It will be what it will be. 
if you don't like the design, don't pick the Pokemon. Like, I, mm. there was like a whole Twitter backlash to Brienne looking too feminine. I'm like, this is the dumbest. No offense I to, I mean, if you think Brienne looks too feminine, that's fine. But to like freak out, are you not gonna use Pip Pop Pop uh, Poplio because it becomes a feminine middle form? I mean, that's I mean a reason if you want. But I don't know why you complain. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's fine. I, yeah, same. Especially because uh, I mean, if if we're gonna get into that territory, um, if anything, I feel like it. The badness that's been kind of needed because I mean we've had um like Embor, Blaziken, like some other Pokemon that definitely just like straight up mask. Yeah, just yeah. And what about Chikorita? Everyone loves Chikorita, and Chikorita is wearing a little pearl necklace thing. Now, granted, you don't have to be a female, I guess, to wear a necklace made of pearls, but she has like a stone necklace going on. Yeah, and like that hair, that leaf looks like a ponytail. Like Chikorita looks like a girl. If you really want to get into this. And that's been there since Gold and Silver. So relax, Internet. Even the name Chikorita. Yeah, it has chick in it. And Rita in it. And oh. Torchic. Chico, yeah, Torchic. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I, I did not understand that at all. Like, I mean, do, do you go out in the world? I don't know. Wait, do people go out in the world, like, our real world and go, I don't know. That zebra, that's pretty. That stripe pattern's pretty feminine. I, uh, like, I, mean, I don't see that. Maybe, being a maybe thing. it was like some people that I guess just um, wanted to keep their their water. I mean, if you guess if you look historically, like Blastoise. I mean, Blastoise if you, is pretty masculine. Yeah, I mean, you look at Blastoise, he looks kind of masculine. Then you look at, um, I guess, um, for alligator, it could be kind of ambiguous. It's just an alligator. Yeah. But then you have. Um, we came after the Swamper. I mean, when they get the Mega Evolution, he just looks like a bodybuilder. Yeah. Machoke, Machop, Machamp. Yeah. They're so, all very masculine. Oh, also... So if anything, it's like... Well, I guess Empoleon is just an Emperor Penguin. Also, but. um, Jigglypuff, Clefairy. This is not new to you guys. I don't know why. Maybe because it's a starter. But even then, we just proved that wrong. So, I mean, unless it's a Pokemon that has, um... I mean, they do have some Pokemon that are literally just one gender. Chansey. Yeah, that's what I thought. Have I ever talked about on the podcast my chance I mean, that, that looks theory. like a straight up like female multiplayer. Eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's, it, that's, it, that's I just thought it was such it. a weird. It's not even worth getting. Like into. it just it caught my eye. I'm just like, why? Why do you care? Have I ever? But have I ever talked about the chance my chance of reproduction theory here on the podcast? I know I've told you off air, I think. But but I have a theory. So Chansey is apparently only female, but Chansey is an egg. Somehow that egg has to have a chancy in get it. fertilized get fertilized there's what i'm looking for so when i was younger and they announced that chancy was only female i came up with a theory that chancy must actually be asexual and somehow reproduce with itself and fertilize its own egg that's the only way it could really work right or what or is it like a seahorse where it's like it's reversed and the but there's no male so even if it is like a seahorse it can't be reversed so yeah in case anyone you know if it's been keeping you up at night since 2002 how chancy reproduces I'm saying asexuality, and uh, I will fight anyone that argues otherwise. We can have a debate via Skype on a podcast if you feel otherwise. But I, I've held this belief for many years. Well, I mean, if you go by the, I mean, <laughs> if, if you go by the games, um, the only way uh, you could get a baby chancy is with a chancy and a ditto. Presumably, wait, what? Yeah, you just blew my mind. Hold on. So for twelve, fourteen years, I never knew about the ditto thing. Wait. What's a ditto turn into, though? Because if it becomes a chancy, it's fem- it's female by default. That, that, that's kind of the weird thing, because um, ditto, like, fine, let's take Rodom. Like, Rodom is a ghost. Okay. It's, yeah. it, it doesn't even have a gender. It's genderless. Yeah. But it could still breed with a ditto and make baby Rodoms. Hmm. So there's this weird thing. So ditto's so either pansexual <laughs> and chancy's asexual. So either chancy reproduces by itself or finds a ditto and they. I know ditto. I guess just somehow knows like, all right, I'm gonna 
turn into something pansexual the right term for that? that will somehow be able to fertilize this egg, even though it's asexual. I'm looking up pansexual to make sure I use the correct term, because I don't want to use the terms. Yeah, not limited in sexual choice with regard to biological sex, gender, or gender identity. Yeah, it, yeah, just, yeah, it, it just feels the missing rule. I did not think when we started recording this that we'd have an in-depth discussion about Pokemon sexuality, but it's 2016 and that's what has to ditto, happen. Ditto fulfills all needs. That's uh, it's like for, the red light district of Ditto. <laughs> wow, I mean that's pretty much all Ditto's are good for in the game. It, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the sub ladies actually. Now's a great time to point out that you have a giant life size Ditto pillow in your room. They're, they're pretty good competitors lately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I never I don't know life size. Well, maybe I assume it's life size. They're just a blob. They could be any size, really. Yeah. Ditto's but, are weird. Ditto's are very weird. Actually, yeah, Ditto's more of a, a Pokemon sexual question mark than than uh chancy yeah chancy's a pretty straightforward dittos can't breed with dittos but dittos can breed with anything else huh that's so how do dittos reproduce themselves um i don't know the the only other the grinning theory is that there's just a limited number of dittos in the wild and because there were failed mu experiments or something that makes sense all they know is transform and you know transform and they're both pink right and you could find them in Cinnabar Island, where Mew was being experimented on. So, Ditto is a melted Mew. Yeah, like Mew clone failures, yeah. Oh, those poor Dittos. Well, Mewtwo failures, I guess. And then Mewtwo yeah. was a successful one. Or something. Pokemon's really messed up. I want there to be, like, a... like At some point, I hope they release, like, an official, like, alright, like here it is. Like the Hyrule Pokemon? Here's just the story beginning to end. Here's how the Earth was created. They don't want children to have nightmares. In the beginning, there was Arceus. Okay. And then he made Dialga, and then there was time, and then space. Well, hey, if if all the stuff we've been talking about with Sun and Moon, and you know how we have that whole theory that's all about, like, natural selection and evolution and stuff with, like, the Alolan forms? I mean, they're going, they're, they're slowly sculpting this world to be more and more into a whole... Well, I mean, um, Diamond, Diamond and Pearl even had churches and... That's right, that's and, right. And that one, like, that one literally explained how, like, time and space came to be, and then Arcus created those three first dragons, and then... Right. Yeah, Pal- no, then you have, um... Yeah, Ray, yeah, Rayquaza and Kyogre that created the continent and the ocean, and then... Reggie Gigas, the big Reggie, like, pulled the continents into their current position, and I don't know what. And then announced the uh, revolution at E3 2005 by saying he kicks ass and takes names, because Reggie, <laughs> that's Reggie. Yeah. Um, I still can't believe they have a Pokemon name. And then Reggie brought me the Ten Commandments out of stone. And... Wait, what? Is that real? No. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh my god. But, and to think this all start with Chansey being asexual. We went way down the rabbit hole. (laughs) But yeah, so um, so yeah, those are the new starter evolutions, and uh, there's a couple others they show. Yeah, but actually, I am kind of curious to see where to go with Sun and Moon, in all honesty, in terms of all this like overarching stuff, because I mean, you got the Alolan forms, they just announced uh, Muck and Grimer. The Muck one looks really cool. I like Grimer a lot, psychedelic LSD Grimer. You mean Muck? I mean Muck. No, I mean Grimer. Isn't Muck the first one and Grimer the second one? Oh my god, my life. (laughs) <laughs> what is my life? It's all shattering around me. You're right. Yes, Muck looks really cool. Grimer, looks like, um, Grimer looks like um, uh, the green like a, and yellow reminds me of something. He just looks like a derpy Grimer. He's very derpy. I mean, with the teeth, but the Muck just looks cool. He looks like the. I mean, I'm assuming he's supposed to be like if you look at oil and you shine light on it, it's like all rainbowy. Yeah, so I think so. And because the tropics have so many rainbows and in their stereotypical images. Oh man, all that pollution. You know what's kind of funny is they make a point that this Grimer and Muck, 
I now know that muck is the evolution of grimer. But this grimer, I think I knew that once upon a time. But this grimer and muck, um, they don't actually smell. They keep their toxicity inside them, so they don't taint the uh, the the nice, sweet, alone, pure air. So the more you know, huh. that, that's an actual tidbit they shared. While while grimer and muck in Kanto and Johto and all those other regions, like- they just shoot the 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 smell outward because they hate you. These these two respect you. They can literally take volumes of just like. I want them to. Stuff. Can you imagine they did like a encyclopedia? I wish the were like Britannica. this long, like instead of like these little tiny things. I wish they like they weren't afraid to let you scroll through text. Yeah, just, like I let you like if you like just have the option there. Like if you want to really involve yourself in like how this Pokemon lore, like just give me like everything about Pikachu, like yeah, like, everything about any Pokemon. And I mean, you know what they could do? Like, Don't, didn't they make food, a Pokedex blah, blah. app? On iOS, they like pour it over the Pokedex 3D from 3DS. Yeah, that one. All that, all that one has is just um, it's, yeah, it just has. I all know, the, it's super it, simple, but they it, could, is, oh, it just has it just has all the Pokedex entries, but they're still in those little tiny bits. But they could but, 2.0 it, so to speak, and yeah. make it a full-on Pokemon encyclopedia. I think that'd be awesome. Charge five bucks for it, people would buy it. Maybe mm, three bucks for it, people would buy it. Yeah. But I mean, if you're constantly going to be updating it and. Yeah. It's like, oh, this new update adds even more it's information. Really fa- like, all the lore is really kind of... Fa- and canon is really kind of fascinating in, like, a weird way. Especially the dark, creepy... Like, we, I remember we talked a few episodes ago about all the creepy, dark stuff. About how, like, one of the Pokemon, I forgot, who goes to hospitals and takes dead children's souls, essentially. Yeah, it's like, like, it's weird how weird Pokemon gets. Yeah, that's one thing that I feel like people tend to take for granted in Pokemon. Like, there's the Pokemon, but they did a pretty good job just world building overall oh yeah they did some insane world building and they've been doing it for 20 years which is yeah. why it's so in depth like imagine 20 years from now it's funny because like the legendary is like, like oh they just keep coming up with new ones but they they definitely thought about like exactly how they look like what their oh, yeah. role is like everything is there for a reason I wonder if the and the roadmap seems to still be intact because you know like Ho-Oh was in the first episode of Pokemon the show and then he was the main bird in gold and then there's that thing where like uh, Alone Executor was in artwork from the original pokemon cards and then he shows up now like i wonder how big this roadmap is that they have and like how many weird branching paths are just waiting to happen now because i assume by gold and silver they knew pokemon's not going anywhere and they probably mapped out a lot of it Mm -hmm. but time will tell um one thing that i did not expect to see happen with sun and moon or any pokemon game really is the anime spilling into the game like, the game obviously influences the anime, but the anime, with the exception of Pokemon Yellow, very rarely influences the game, and yet they're releasing a demo of Sun and Moon on the 18th, that's this coming week, and if you play the demo, you will be able to get Ash Greninja from the show. It's a Greninja in Ash's colors. That's literally it. Yeah, they have, like, Ash's hair and kind of a hat. What's sticker? the backstory? Do you know the backstory of how um, he came to be? Because it's weird. Pretty much, um, I think it started with one of the movies, basically... Ash's bond with his Greninja was so strong. That Greninja's just like, I'm going to copy you now. That, I guess, he just kind of did, like, a sidestep evolution because they were just that tight. Is that how, is that, how that works in the real world? Hey, man, we're, we've been good friends for, like, there, ten it, years. I'm just going to turn into you. Well, it's a Pokemon. I know, we don't I know, understand I know, these I know. creatures. That's true. He just took The on, world building isn't fully I mean, there yet. He just got some traits to him. He has, like, a kind of a red hat thing going on in yep. Ash hair. yep. But I need the giant shuriken in the back at all. He times. also That's has cool. a, a move called Battle Bond that will let you uh, swap him in as soon 
as another Pokemon on your team makes someone faint. Like, basically, it'll auto-swap. So, like, you can send out the weakest Pokemon. Instead of having a waste of turn doing the swap, you can send out the weakest Pokemon, have it beat someone, and then Ash Greninja will be like, I got this, and just sort of step in. Mm. Uh, but you cannot use him in tournament play. So, there's that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that definitely seems like something that you want to wait a little while. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, like, ways to exploit that that we don't know yet. Of course. But in addition to Pokemon, Sun and Moon also got a couple gameplay details. I think we're finally... I can't imagine us in two weeks having more new gameplay modes discussed, but we do now at least. Uh, one is the Festival Plaza. This is the new connectivity area for like online stuff. It's for actually, trading and stuff? It's for trading, it's for battle, but they're also adding a thing. It's like a little world, like a little town. And what you do is you can walk around and talk to people and take their requests. And what's unclear... Okay is if the requests come from other players or not. I think they do. I believe they come they from other players, and you I get mean, coins if you fulfill the requests. I mean, that's cool if this is just, like, some secluded area, but yeah. I wish that doesn't take away from what the past two games had where on the touchscreen you literally just had, if you wanted to, one of the touchscreen options you could have was just a bunch of faces scrolling to the side, like people that are online now, and oh, people accepting battles. Oh, the global link stuff. Right? You could just tap a random person, like, oh, I want a battle right now? You don't have to go anywhere. You could just do it. At any point. I'm sure they're going to leave that in. This is, like, on top of that. This also is, like, a baby MMO. Because it's, like, you go and walk around, you interact with people, and you do the coin, you do the challenges to get coins. There'll be things like, I'm hungry, and you take them to, like, a restaurant or whatever. Hmm. You go on a date. Um, but, no, it's, uh, and then you get these coins, and you turn these coins in to get, like, all sorts of stuff within the plaza. You can, like, rank up your plaza. You can get rewards in the plaza. More activities to unlock in the plaza. It's, like, this weird... It kind of reminds me of Animal Crossing, almost. And it's just, it's very self-contained little, like, town situation. And then, of course, in addition to that, they are doing Global Link stuff, which is probably more what you're interested in. Um, you're going to be able to have online competitions where you can create your own tournaments, which I don't recall if they've ever done tournaments. I know they've done battles. No. I don't think they've done familiar. tournaments. And there's going to be what they call global missions where you'll be able to... There'll be, like, a goal that they set for everyone, and if you do it, you get special items and whatnot as a result. So it seems like it's kind of a two-pronged approach. you got this more, like, social side of it, and then you got the normal, like, I just want to battle. <laughs> yeah. So that's one mode they announced. The other... If if that's, like, Animal Crossing, this is kind of, like, to me at least, seems like kind of Street Pass, street pass Plaza games. And this is called Poke Pelago. Pelago? Or Pelago. That makes more sense than Pelago. Why would I say Pelago? What's wrong with me? It's midnight. We're recording at midnight. Is that an excuse? It's an excuse. Uh, so yeah, Pokemon Pe- or Pokepelago is any Pokemon that are stored in your PC box, you can now send out to these little islands and watch them do things. I can't. I don't think you interact with them directly. I think you kind of set the ball it's like in motion. An ant farm. Yeah, you set the ball in motion, and then they do it, and then they give you stuff. So one island, they might go in a, in a cave and get you rewards. Another one, they might like have a party i don't know but there's different islands with different things and it will get you more pokemon and it'll get you more items and some rare pokemon and it's very like the way it's set up where it's like each island is its own thing is very street pass like to me so just another layer to pokemon just in case you need even more to do it's totally like a side hopefully they didn't take away the secret layers those are cool well they haven't said they're there so no yeah but they, they might be gone I mean, that's what we thought about Mega Evolutions. But, I mean, that, the, those things were also there for the last two games. Mm. And they were a pretty big thing. Just like, I mean, that was also very Animal Crossing. You decorate it, you buy plush toys, you pick your furniture. Right. I don't know. Hopefully not. But we'll we should, see. We'll know in a month's time. The game is literally out. Wait. Yeah, just about a month. A little less. A little more, I mean. I mean, I'm still waiting for that Pokemon to get me to buy it. But we'll see. 
What about mm. Muck? Rainbow Muck? I mean, he looked cool, but I mean, I was not gonna. No. Rekka spent forty dollars for Rainbow Muck. Nope. Well, you make a big mistake, in my opinion. Uh, but there is one last thing about Sun and Moon we should talk about, and this one directly is relevant to you. Yeah, one of the new Pokemon has an interesting ability. That okay, that wasn't what I was going to say, but I'm curious what you're going to say. Um, Queen, I forget what it's called. It's like Queen something, or but pretty much um, any move that goes first um, gets ignored. Like, that ability to go first gets ignored. So if you have a Pokemon that, like Azumarill, like I used to use this one a lot because it was like, ridiculously strong uh-huh. but really slow but it knows the move Aqua Jet which usually always goes first so if you you pretty much just use Aqua Jet just use Belly Drum max out your power and then just Aqua Jet everything and you'll kill almost everything even if it resists water so presumably you have this Queen Pokemon and if, and then Aqua Jet just won't work you'll just destroy it I don't huh. know. It just, that it, changes some strategies in yeah, like, like, ways I would guess yeah th- there's a few new abilities in this game that they're just kind of throwing in there just to I don't know, I guess stop these strategies. I don't know, it's, right. in, it's, interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting. It is interesting. One thing, one strategy that you can keep, though, at least if you don't play competitively, is whatever you do with Mega Evolutions, because at last, that's something you've talked about on the show before, but they've at last confirmed Mega Evolutions for Sun and Moon. Yep. With a catch. Kind of. You can bring in your Mega Evolutions, and there will be some characters that give you me- Mega Stones in Sun and Moon, but it seems like they're definitely de-emphasized in favor of Z-Moves, in favor of the low-end forms. Well, yeah, I mean, they're just kind of there to appease the people that have them from previous games. Yeah, and I mean, whenever um, a new game comes out, like, they always have to... Like, the first year's tournament always focuses on just the new mechanics and solely that. Which means, in this case, you cannot use Mega Evolutions in if you're doing competitive Pokemon video game championship play at all for this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, by next year, like, they'll re-allow them... But the first year, they definitely just want to showcase all the new stuff. Because, I mean, they stream these things, so they I don't think they want to see, like, the same teams from last year. I mean, people are going to stick with what's tried and true if they want to win. So, yeah. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess it does. It's, it's uh, yeah, them and Ash Green Ninja. I mean, they want to sell the game. They don't want to be like, oh, wait, everything that people are using are just things from yeah, Mega no, yeah, Ruby Sapphire. Yeah, it, it makes total sense, yeah. Um... So do they tend to reintroduce it down the road later on, or is it kind of like it's one and done? We did Mega Evolutions as a thing. We'll still have it in the game, but the, the the tournaments are moving away from that forever. Or is it something they might bring back? No, I'm pretty sure they'll bring it back. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, they just want to let the... The new the, stuff shine. Yeah, they just want to let the new stuff shine, let the meta settle, and then reintroduce it, and then see right. and then see how it melts together. Right. Oh, yeah, because I guess every time they introduce something like Z-Moves or Mega Evolutions, I mean, the anything, whole metagame probably changes I mean, if anything, this right? makes perfect sense, because now, like... They they have a smaller environment where they could just test out the current like alone forms and stuff. Right. But they're still letting people use because um, I mean they still have different rankings and competitive. They still have a competitive mode that lets you use megas, and I'm pretty sure they're going to keep a close eye on that one to see how the megas are meshing with the alone forms and stuff. Right. And the Z moves for that matter. Right. Right. And maybe they'll be like, "Whoa, this is way too crazy for tournament." Or not. or oh, it's actually totally sane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another actually important thing that they did um. Another new gameplay feature, I should say, that they added in this one that hmm. didn't get any video mention is something called My Time. That, that? And, I, and, I missed that. And that make, that's a pretty big deal because something that kind of plagued a lot of games was uh, what they call time stalling. Like, depending on what kind of team you're running, you could kind of, like, run the clock. And pretty much when time runs out, whichever team has more HP left 
percentage-wise, wins... In tournament play? In, turn- in any kind of play. Because there's no time limit on normal battles. Yeah. Every... There's a, there's, there's a constant timer running between both people. It's like a... It's like, it's like a 30-minute timer or 15-minute... I They don't indicate it. Well, whenever you're playing online against anybody... Oh, online. Oh, okay. Or in a tournament. Yeah. Whenever you're playing... Oh, with, so when you're playing competitively. Yeah, when you're playing competitively okay, with people. Th- yeah, because I... Uh, that's why. Yeah. Because in single player, there's no timer. I can oh, leave yeah. it on, like, I'm choosing my attack for, like, oh. five days if I want. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm talking about, yeah, like... you've been competitive, yeah. Yeah, like... I didn't realize, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're playing with random people, like, you get, I think, 15 to 30 seconds per turn. Uh-huh. But both of you share, like, a bank. Like, like the game has to be done within a certain number of time. And depending on your, how the match goes, the other team can just go, like, oh, you run the clock. It's like, oh, I'm about to win if I just stall out the timer. Right. Just, like, send out some Pokemon, slow them down, just stall like crazy, and you win. So what they're doing now is instead of sharing a pool, each person has their own timer. That's smart. So now, like, you just have six minutes, and that's it. And you have six minutes, and that's it. So each and, turn would just deduct from your six minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so not only does that give you more pressure to just go faster, they're saying, like, oh, now battles will be more dynamic and action-packed because you're going to not want to waste your time and not only that but um you actually get rewarded for um doing your turn a lot faster i think like you get to like steal time or something like that oh interesting i don't know they, they have like this whole little mechanic with it so, so time's actually becoming a main a major feature of battles yeah now, so pretty much just kind of a thing that yeah so you, pretty much they want you to be like planning out your turn while they're going that way they want it's your turn you start your timer right away and then you're banking your time and then right like, interesting I don't know, it's it definitely that, sounds nice. That sounds like it can actually change the dynamic. Because sometimes it's really annoying ways. when... I think if your opponent like doesn't use... like Uses up their entire time, I think that's when they get yeah. like, a penalty or something like that. Interesting. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not 100% sure how it works, but I know it, it definitely... Does that is, sell you on Sun and Moon? If there's no Pokemon, is something that changes battles no. that much? No. Oh, no. But it definitely makes it better. It would be one of those like... Nice yes, to have. Yeah. Nice to have. must have. Once you're in there, yeah. Right. Sure. I feel like Sun and Moon like... I guess you're the exception, but it's kind of the centerpiece of Nintendo's holiday this year. I feel like everyone that's following Nintendo's probably has some interest in Sun and Moon. Either that or the Classic Edition NES. Yeah. Neither of which you're, buy- you're buying as of yeah, now. Yeah. But but there's some other things Nintendo's doing. I'm kind of moving away from Sun and Moon, unless there's anything else you want to say. But there are some uh, there's some other things Nintendo's doing for the holidays that, I don't know if they're up your eye per se, but they're they're doing stuff. They're trying to do more than just be the Pokemon and NES Classic Edition company this holiday. Um, and what's kind of interesting is, to their credit, and why I want to talk about it, is that every one of these things they're doing can bring in a ton of profit with abnormally low investments on their end. Like, it, they're, 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 you, they can have very high returns with very low effort. And I thought I'd take a moment to talk about it as we transition from Pokemon to our Wii nostalgia stuff. Because... Um, like we kind of we kind of touched on it before, like you know, we already talked about how Animal Crossing New Leaf Welcome Amiibo, besides being a mouthful of a name, is also basically an expansion pack where they could just pile into the already existing game code, and it's pretty cheap to make, but then they can market it like a new game. They're not doing that with everything for the holidays. They're doing it with like hardware with Amiibo. It's kind of genius on Tom's part that they're basically buying time in very. Uh, like frugal ways that can still generate them a nice healthy holiday profit until the next. So first way they're doing that is with hardware. And that is with uh, two new 2DS colors and probably the cleverest money-saving, penny-pinching they've done. I like the so, Luigi video. The Luigi video is good. It reminded me a lot, I tweeted this, it reminded me a lot of the old Captain Crunch Oops All Berries commercial 
where uh, so Captain Crunch has a very delicious cereal called Crunch Berries and a very delicious uh, delicious spin-off cereal called Oops All Berries. And in the commercial, some kids are getting toured a factory, and then they hit the lever that says All Berries, and then Oops, it's All Berries, much like Luigi entered the wrong code, and then Oops, new 2DS colors, which are actually the same as the old, just reversed. But yeah, so the new colors, it's really clever because what they basically did is they took the exact shade of red, the exact shade of blue that was on the back of the 3DS, and they mirrored it onto the front as well. And now they can go around and say new 2DS colors. Or they didn't have to buy new dye. They didn't have to make new molds. They just literally swapped out the black for the red and for the blue and then put out a video with clever little Easter eggs in the email. Did you see all the emails? Oh, yeah. yeah, those were those were funny in the video. But yeah, and then put out a little video and boom. It's like they, you know, they get all the new color marketing in there, like the extra attention without actually doing anything. <laughs> so, so that was, I thought that was a very clever way to get the 2DS a bit of a boost for the holidays. Um, they also have, of course, the 3DS, the Pokemon Sun Moon 3DS coming out, I think, next week or something like that. Mm. That is a bit more effort put into it. That's a real, actual new design. But still, this, this one's kind of clever. And for Amiibo, they're actually doing even less work, which I find kind of funny. Uh, they're literally just like, why don't we just release the rare ones again? So they're just releasing the rare ones again. That No new Amiibo that yeah. we don't know about. No Smash Bros. We still don't have Bayonetta. We still don't have... We got teeth with a picture of it. We got teeth with a, like a quarter of it. Yeah. 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 So we know it exists. It does exist. And we, we still don't have Cloud. We still don't have... Corrin. Corrin. And that's it. But... We're going to be getting Palutena again at Toys R Us. And if you prefer Best Buy, we're getting Lucina again, as well as Gold Mario, Pit, Samus, and the decidedly less rare Mega Man and Sonic. Hmm. But yeah, they're doing this. I mean, it's smart for Nintendo because it's like, hey, we don't have much to sell this year. It's new. But there are these collectors out there who wanted Amiibo, and maybe they didn't get Palutena, and maybe they didn't get Lucina, or maybe they somehow missed Samus. So we can literally re-release some using the exact same plastic molds and the exact same stuff. Don't have to put any new investment into it. And then all those people that missed it the first time, even though the frenzy has died down, they still want to complete their collection, so they will go and buy it. Eat free money. It's basically free money. These Amiibo sales are ridiculous. They're so cheap now. And Nintendo Except, and yet, somehow botched Amiibo. And yet, every time <laughs> there's one of these sales, like, whenever... I see one posted on Go Nintendo, like, oh, I go to Best Buy. You could get Amiibo for, like, three bucks. Like, all the Animal Crossing... They have them on their website, too. Yeah, the Animal Crossing ones are, like, dirt cheap. Well, All yeah. of them except Bowser. Regular Bowser's never... There, there. are some characters that are popular. Bowser's yeah. one of them. I mean, remember the top ten list they put in their financials a while ago? And mm -hmm. Bowser's, like, number three in, like, Europe or something? Yeah. Like, he's big. But, yeah, the thing... He's big. Literally. But the um, the thing about Amiibo is, like, I wouldn't say they... I, I said they botched it a second ago. It seems a little strong. But, like, they started strong with their biggest characters and, like, niche characters that do well. Then they decided, for some reason, to uh, go the Animal Crossing route. And Animal Crossing's popular. But there's only three or four Animal Crossing characters that actually matter. No one cares about half of those characters. No one wants an Amiibo of, of Timmy and Tommy. And they printed yeah. so many because they were working off the assumption of the Smash Bros. shortages. They really should have just stuck with the cards for Animal Crossing. I they, feel like yeah, that, the like, cards are doing yeah, like, like, yeah, like like that's the route to go with Animal Crossing, yeah. not with physical Amiibo. Just just make your KK, your Isabel. I mean, I guess Mabel and whatever the other hedgehog. Mabel is. and Abel. Mabel, 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 Sable, Sable, Abel, I think, Mabel. I think it's Abel. 
Cable. Cable sounds right. Cable TV. <laughs> the long list that we're all packed in. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it just seems yeah, it seems like they took. I mean, now they're doing it correctly. Like the new amiibo cards for Welcome Amiibo of uh, New Leaf, they're just cards. They're entirely new designs of cards, or they're just cards, and it makes a lot more sense to me mm-hmm. as well. But I, I should be clear: Nintendo is coming out with new amiibo. They have the Mario Party Series Two ones or Super Mario Series Two that are coming out in tandem with Mario Party Star Rush. Um, they have the Zelda 20th Anniversary amiibo coming out in November, which I have pre-ordered all of, and I'm very excited for. But like. This is just an easy way for them to make more money. It's just, well, let's keep doing it. And people are going to be talking about Amiibo again. Let's put the rare ones out. So, very smart Nintendo. And and to, to be clear, it's not just Nintendo that's doing a ramp up with uh, Toys to Life again. Lego Dimensions obviously has their new, C, their new series going. And Skylanders and Activision are actually doing something kind of cool and very different. You can now build your own Skylander. Custom Skylanders. I'm not... A Skylanders guy myself, but this is a very cool thing. So basically, you download a special app that they're calling the Skylanders Creator, and then you order your own Skylander. You build it, and they'll 3D print it, and then for only, for only $49.99, so for only the price of a Skylander game, you can then have your Skylander with a base and a, and a clear protective dome sent to your home. Or, if you prefer, you can get a card, a train card of your Skylander for $15, or a shirt of your Skylander for $30. Hmm. The the card and the figurine work with the new uh, Imaginators game, which makes sense, because that game's all about customizing Skylanders figures. Uh, That's what Nintendo should have done with the Miis. Seriously, that would have been really cool. I remember there was talk of that, but... Yeah, I've actually been asking around the school, the elementary school I work at, like, yeah. just, just gauging interest on Imaginators and... There's quite a few kids that are really looking forward to it, and many of them even brought up themselves like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make my own Imaginator, and um, and my mom said she's going to buy me, like, one if I'm good. And, like, for, yeah, there's, all, yeah. Like, there's, a, there's a few kids that are going to buy them. It's going to be gangbuster track. I mean, the 50 bucks, it's like, doesn't seem to phase them. Well, well obviously not. Well, yeah. yeah, but, I mean, it's not that... If you think about the fact that they have to 3D print each one to all sorts of weird specifications of thousands upon thousands of combinations... It's not that absurd, but it is the price of the game itself, which is kind of, you know, unbundled, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, they're supposedly... I mean, I'd pay that price once just to have, like... Yeah, I would do it once, too, I think. Yeah. And, and, and the cool thing is they fully work with the game, and they will be in the game. Your character will be in... The, the one you built will yeah, be in the game. Probably, that, that, it's pretty that cool. That must be a pretty awesome feeling. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. we'll never know because... Brick it, yeah. To like, oh, get that yeah, toy yeah. and just like, put it in there and like, yep, I made that character. Yeah, I would have loved that as a kid. It's super cool. Um, never too late. But like, no, I'm not getting a Skylanders. No, 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 no. No. But yeah, this thing's going to do super well, I feel like. Um, there's nothing else I was going to say, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they also have a Netflix show now. Mm-hmm. So if you thought the Skylanders thing was ending, nope. It's just ramping up again. They just launched a Netflix show. The game just came out. They now have the custom app. Skylanders isn't going anywhere. Skylanders Academy. Yes. I don't, is it about school? Is it like Hogwarts, They're, but Skylanders? Yeah, it's like how to be a Skylander. Aren't just born into it? No, Skylanders are like warriors or something. Oh, oh like Highlander. Yeah. Whoa. Man, I am full of revelations how today. How old is this franchise? Yeah, six years, five years. Uh, I've never paid attention to it beyond the The, the core name? Con- Skylander, like what? What else can it possibly be? 
referencing? I don't know. Like, and it makes sense because Spyro was the first one and he must have been part of the Skylanders. Yeah. I never thought about it. Clearly. Clearly. But let's get back to Nintendo instead. Of, I mean, not that you were supposed to. No, I, I should have. I should have. I am extremely embarrassed and I want to quickly change topics so I don't wallow in my self-pity here. Back to Nintendo. I was saying they're being really frugal this year. I was saying they're being really, like, not stingy isn't the word because it's not stingy. They're being savvy with how to make a profit. Uh, but I got, I, I should give them credit where it's due. It's not all 2DS, Amiibo, Animal Crossing, New Leaf, Welcome Amiibo. God, what a name. Uh, it's not all, yeah, they're doing it to some extent. But there's also original things being made. So I feel like I should at least say, like, Super Mario Run. That's original. It's assets that have been used before, but it's entirely new gameplay, so you gotta give them credit for that. And the reason I bring it up is um, it's gonna do really well for Nintendo. In case you had any doubt, it's gonna do very well. And I know this because Apple's Tim Cook said in an interview while over in Japan play, visiting with Miyamoto and company playing the game, uh, he told this interviewer that over 20 million iOS users in Japan have set the notification to tell them when Mario Run comes out. So basically 20 million people pre-ordered Mario Run in Japan alone. Imagine those numbers worldwide. Like, how crazy is that? Something you did it? I did it within 10 seconds of it being live. I saw the tweet and it was just like, bam. What, you didn't? Nope. Oh, you rebel, you. I mean, why would I have to? The world's going to let me know when the game's going to come Yeah, but I think it'll like be like a pop-up alert and you hit download and it'll just download it for you. Or maybe it'll download automatically. I don't know. Oh, man. That's going to save me so much time. It will. While you're sitting there watching that little spinner go for all five seconds, I'll be five seconds ahead of you in Mario Run. So, just think about that. Unless, of course, it comes out at a time that I'm not near my phone and you happen to be on your phone, in which case it's all for nothing. Well, I mean, I'm pretty much on my phone the entire day. Yeah, so am I. Uh, If anyone from work is listening, just kidding, (laughs) I do plenty of real work. I am very efficient with my time on my phone. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so Mario Run, I wanted to mention that. Just like, that's a huge thing. It's going to be such a big profit for Nintendo and such a big deal for Nintendo. So, and for my Nintendo, because that's their Trojan horse. So, so that's cool. And the other big holiday biggie, other big holiday biggie, is, um, of course, the NES Classic Edition, which... To be fair to Nintendo, they are actually pouring a fair amount of money into, you know, it has its own UI, has a brand new emulation, it's physical hardware, it's got, it has a big marketing campaign. But it also looks like they're learning from what Amiibo's first holiday was like and what the Wii's first couple holidays were like in that the NES Classic Edition will be, uh, shall we say, a very hyped. No, that's not even... Nintendo's going to be very strategic with how they roll out the system. They, I think, there are going to be shortages. And I think it's somewhat intentional. Because Nintendo's already trying it out as a hot holiday item. It's made Toys R Us's like, must-have holiday gift list. It was one of four holiday gifts featured on the Today Show a couple weeks ago. They're already mm-hmm. making it like the hot thing. Is Remember the NES? Look, it's tiny now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at the little ODS. <laughs> yes. And while doing that, they're simultaneously not letting anyone pre-order it. Mm. And why would you not want it to be pre-ordered? Because you want the frenzy when it comes out. Where it's like, oh, did you get the NES costing? No, man, it's sold out everywhere. I can't get it anywhere. It's what the Wii did the first couple of years, and it worked great to build buzz. It's what Amiibo did at first, and it worked great. Not saying it's our, not saying it's an artificial shortage. It could be real. But it's very clear that Nintendo is... Letting this happen 
and not being like, oh, darn. I know, but not letting you appear. They could easily spin it like, oh, we just want everyone to have an equal chance if you can't, yeah. if you happen to, like, run out of pre while you're at work or something. Yeah, and I mean, GameStop, reportedly, is not even doing pre-orders. They're outright not doing pre-orders. Um, Best Buy never did pre-orders. Amazon never did pre-orders. No <laughs> one's done pre-orders, and no one knows if there will be pre-orders. So, like with the Wii and with Amiibo, it looks like good luck. It looks like you're gonna need good luck to get the uh, the NES Classic. I'm mm. gonna start camping out tomorrow. In other words, you know, mm. only a month ahead. But uh, yeah, it's smart for Nintendo. It's kind of sucky for us, but you know, it is what it is. And speaking of Wii, unless there's anything you want to say about Nintendo's holiday plans, speaking of Wii, I got nothing. All right then. Speaking of Wii, uh, the episode is called "We Remember." We were gonna talk about some forgotten gems. We got four of them. Now's as good a time as any. We kind of that's pretty much it for the news, and then we'll wrap up after that with your uh, Ace Attorney's verdict. final verdict. Yeah. So um, I don't know. So Jason, what the game you remember? Oh well, if we're gonna do it, I'll still do it like this. One, I I was gonna say, should we just we each have one first party and one third party, sort of. So should we just do? Nintendo's own first, and then we'll jump over to the third-party ones, I guess. Punch-Out was great. Continue. Um, I was a, <laughs> so Punch-Out's one of the ones you're bringing up, Yeah, I, I, I was a pretty big fan <laughs> of the NES one. Never really got to play the Super Nintendo one, but when I was reintroduced <laughs> I to the... like how you launched it with no but when, I was re- <laughs> but when I was reintroduced to the franchise on the Wii, I don't know, it was just awesome from the, the catchy remixes of the music every time you entered a new cup to the overly over-exaggerated animations and caricatures of all the characters and the opponents. I don't know. And all, and really all that fun. subtle stereotyping that wasn't subtle at all. To be fair, someone's probably listening. I think like, they full-on embraced it and they're just like, yeah, no, let's just make it This nice went all full 80s. Um, I was say, to be fair, a lot of people might be thinking right now, Punch-Out! Everyone knows Punch-Out! But if you think about like the Wii's top games, Punch-Out! doesn't often make the list or is even remember. It's always like Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, Galaxy, Smash Bros. Smash Bros. Mario Galaxy Kart. Galaxy again. Galaxy again. So, like, I would say it counts as a bit of a forgotten gem, right? I mean, obviously you agree because you're talking about it, but... Yeah, it's just, like, a really good game that's kind of mixed with the other even better game. I mean, well, actually, no, I, w- I would say it's just as good as them. I mean, I just really like the game. I just like how short and simple it is. Um, it's just one of those games like Rhythm Heaven that you could just pick up and play, very simple controls. You're not, you're not spending there, like, I don't know, like a 40-hour quest. You, yeah. could, you could literally speedrun this game. Awesome Easter eggs. You could play against Donkey Kong. It was just really cool. There's also the uh, Club really? Nintendo reward they had. I, I got this as a Platinum member. Oh, that, Doc that was Lewis's, a horrible choice. It was. Because then you were later able to get that. I know. Well, how was I supposed to know they would do that? That's why you always get the physical. I know. I authentic learned. Authentic Mario hat. I know. I, okay, it was not authentic. That's what they called it. it. Was made, yeah, but it was made of foam. It was not authentic in any way, shape. It wasn't made of foam. Wasn't it? No. It's cloth? Yeah. No, it's foam. I have it. I can show I know. it to you. Yeah, We're going to have to... It, it, it's yeah. a cloth hat. Oh, well, I really screwed up. <laughs> but yeah, so it was kind of cool because... Foam? But yeah, it was dark. Anyway. Okay, now I understand why you wouldn't get that. Right, I thought it was foam. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Doc, like the Doc Lewis thing is cool because you got to fight him. So that's the end of that story. Um, but uh, yeah, the thing I like about Punch-Out, because I, I have it too, uh, to kind of piggyback off you, is like, this was the first Punch-Out game I actually owned. And I knew it was all about pattern recognition, but like, it was so smoothly animated, and it looked so like lively, and cell shame was so good that like, 
the tells were just fun to because every you know every boxer has their tell and it you figure out what it is and then you figure out what they do after the tell and that's how you get through game. It's basically a puzzle game. But like every tell was just so everything was so well animated yeah, the, the and the tells just, were so like perfect. It was like watching a cartoon that was three D. Yeah, it's one of those games where like I just like to describe it. it's just pure fun. It's just yeah. fun. It's really really fun. It is. And also, I feel like it was next level games really coming into its own because, like, they did Strikers and they did Strikers Charge, and both were great. But Punch Out was the one yeah, where I was really like, "Wow, these guys know their stuff." Yeah, when when next level games they like, get their hand on a franchise, like they really like to go, especially like when with just caricatures, like, um, the way they animate the characters, like the Mario characters in Strikers Charged, like they feel more lively than usual. Yes. Like compared to um Mario Super Sluggers, where Bowser is still just. He's doing his generic Bowser stuff, but in Strikers Charge, he, like, has more attitude or, like, Wario... I mean, Waluigi does his cross cross chops yeah. for no reason. Like, yeah, that that was so out of place, but so great. Yeah, like, Mario <laughs> just looks more pissed off than usual. Yeah. Like, I don't know, everyone just... Next level more, has some really good animators. Yeah, like, they just inject way more personality into the more character. I feel like... Even punch- if it's out of character, but still. Yeah. It just makes it... It's just fun. I feel like Punch-Out's the pinnacle of their image. I mean, Luigi's Mansion did some really good... Had some really good personality. Dark mm-hmm. Moon... But I feel like Punch Out, just because that's what the game's all about, yeah, is exactly like, what how those characters act. Yeah, because the game, like. I mean the, I mean the opponents are literally just doing, they're, they're just like looping different animations. They're stringing together different anim, like preset animations. Yeah. it's not like a. Like but a, even then, it's yeah. so smooth. No, yeah, between. no, yeah, it's 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 masterful. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it's it's really good. And you know, one of the things you said about Punch Out is that it's very like pick up and play. And one of my favorite Wii games. That is definitely a forgotten gem. It, I like it for that exact reason as well. And that was Excitebots uh, Trick Racing. So it began. Excitebots was a sequel. It all started with Excite Truck, which like no one got. No one got it. Enough people got to board the sequel. I know. Yeah, it was a launch title. It sold pretty well. But Excite Truck was a bit more grounded than Excitebots. So this is the I first... I remember I, I passed over and I was like, it's just trucks with nitro. No, it's so fun. You, you No, I know. Yeah. I apparently missed out. But you yeah. did. Uh, but yeah, like, so Excitetruck was cool, but it was kind of grounded. Like, you did crazy stunts. You got lots of air. You were steering with the Wii remote. Um, and at the very end of the game, spoiler alert from 2006, the final track you unlock is called Intergalactic. And everything's like purple hue. I remember you showing me that. Yeah, and it's, it's really out of place, but it kind of felt like, oh, this is what Monster Games is thinking. They're the developers as they move towards what ultimately became Excitebots, which is just like Excite Truck on steroids and super wonky and weird and and crazy. But it's funny because like Excitetruck, I know I said Bots is my favorite, but just one more thing about Excitetruck. I feel like that's the Wii launch tile i ended up playing the most actually like i had zelda and i love like the rich experience that twilight princess gave and i had rayman raving rabbits and that is really a good showcase of how many bizarro things you could do with the wii mode and nunchuck and like all the different configurations of controls but the one i played the most was excite truck and i mean at the time i guess even steering with a wii remote you know left right that um that was a new experience because you didn't really have that sort of motion control outside, like Warrior Wear Twisted or Kirby Tilt and Tumble or something like that. But it was just, like, so good. And Excite Trick just took that and really ran with it. So the core game's really... So it's a racing game. It's an arcade racer. You just go. There's, like, 20 tracks, and you just go. And the more tricks you do along the way, the higher your ranking. You get stars for each trick, and the stars, you know, if you get above a certain number, you get a D. If you get above a certain number, it becomes a C, a B, an A, all the way up to S. And um, 
there's two different modes. One's easier than the other. Tricks are easier. But what's fun are the tricks. So you're kind of like it's very drifty. It's very the trucks are. I wouldn't say they're floaty because they grip the road really tight, but they swing really wide when they turn and that sort of thing. And then the tricks are just like you know you're drifting, you're doing these really high jumps or long jumps, or staying in the air really as long as you can. Um, the terrain can actually morph. That was one of the other hooks in both truck and bots, where if you hit the right thing. You get a giant ramp in front of you out of nowhere, and then you can launch off that ramp and get even more air and thus more points. But then, for Excite Bots, they decide, nah, normal tricks aren't enough. We're going to really go all out. We're going to put bowling pins that you can hit in the middle of the track. We're going to put uh, items you can use, like bombs and things that will like Don't affect you like your opponents. Play poker? Yes, there's a whole mode where you literally played poker. You collected cards around the track, but you wanted to collect them to get sweets and whatever. Suits, not sweets. Suits. <laughs> sweets. Man, I am not talking well today. But uh, you want you know, you want to get speaking well today. See, I'm really not talking well today because I'm saying speaking. I'm saying talking instead of speaking. But, um, yeah, you want to get... a sandwich or something? Yes. Else? Yes, that's my favorite. I was getting to that. I was building to that. But you... you, you oh. It's fine. But there's also, like, there's hammers. You If you sideswipe opponents, you get points. If you... Um, there's this giant... There's a red bar in every single level where if you grab the bar with your mechanical hand that comes out the back of your car, because of course it does, and you swing on it, and you can do multiple loops around it, and then you get points for that. And then, yes, my all-time favorite is you can build a sandwich. You collect the ingredients around the track. Bread, meat, condiments put it together, veggies, put it together, and then literally the game's like, you built a sandwich in, like, huge letters, and it's like a big sandwich, and it's very exciting. You get many stars, and it's, yeah. I didn't think I'd have fun building sandwiches in a video game, but that wasn't even Cooking Mama. It was a racing game. That's what sold me on building sandwiches digitally. But, yeah, so it's crazy. Like, I, I feel like I'm not doing it justice. I'm making it just sound weird, but it's, it's all so fast. It moves so well that it just, like, all that happening... It's just very rapid fire. You have to constantly, you're constantly juggling, trying to stand first, or trying to do tricks, or trying to build your sandwich, or trying to play poker if you're in poker mode. Um, it wasn't just poker, though. There was also, there's some other mini games where you're like throwing darts or doing other things. Like the bowling, I think, was one of those mini games. It, it, it was a lot. And it really won up to excite truck in like every possible way because there was online play with up to six people, truck was not online, uh, there was a battle mode. It was okay, but it was there. The vehicles weren't trucks. They were like the the in Excite Truck. They were like Baja racing looking vehicles. But in in bots, in Excite bots, it was frogs and grasshoppers, all with mechanical hands that can make sandwiches. So you know, better game instantly right there. So um, the sense of speed was also really good. Long story short, it was completely awesome. It was pure and simple arcade racing, which is always the best. But it was done so incredibly well that it was literally one of the like. Galaxy was good. Zelda's good. But for some reason, bots always stick to as, like, the pinnacle, not even the pinnacle Wii experience. It's just, like, there's, it was the right game at the right time, and it was just really good. As was Truck, and as are many Wii games. But, yeah, that one, if you, it unfortunately did not sell well. I never really found many people play online with. I don't, the server's not even around, but if you find bots, Excite Bots, Trick Racing, like, in a GameStop used or whatever, buy it. It is worth it. You will like it. It's really good. And also, Monster Games, you need to make a third entry. Stop making NASCAR games for PlayStation 4. Come back to Nintendo. Make a third Excite game. And I will love you forever. And that is Excite Pots. Exciting stuff. It is. It really is. 
Well, <laughs> definitely, this is the game I was alluding to a lot earlier in the beginning of the podcast where... They said it's a one-and-done experience. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad game, but Samba de Amigos, the only reason I got it was because I got really into um, Sonic... All Stars Bracing Transform, Sonic and All Stars, which Bracing is a Transform. very surprisingly good game. Yeah, like I really like that game. I would, I enjoy it just as much as Mario Kart Eight, just because it's so different. Like I just, I love the drifting mechanics in that game better. I love the track designs on Sonic and All Star Racing Transform better. Like they're just way more dynamic and they feel more. Honestly, the way the tracks are in Mario Kart, I mean in Sonic's game, mm-hmm. are how I imagined. Um, how crazy they were going to go with Mario Kart 8. Which but, they didn't, really. Yeah, they didn't. They kind of stayed... Well, they, they, they stayed pretty tame for the most part, I would say. Didn't Sonic... Uh, didn't Racing Transform, like, the tracks literally, much like Excitebots, actually, literally morphed? Yeah, like, every lap, like, they would change. They, I mean, they even had, like, anti-gravity segments that weren't even treated as anti-gravity. They were just right. there. And, I mean, like, Mario Karts, I felt like... Um, the tracks themselves were kind of... We're kind of plain. We're kind of bland, but the it was just around like the music and the and the razzle dazzle of the of the of the environments were like were really made it look amazing. Right. But in this one's were, but in Sonic's it was kind of like a combination of both. I mean, obviously there were many exceptions in, so- right. in Mario Kart. Point is, quick programming um, note about Sonic. All, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. If you want to hear full impressions of that game, which in and of itself is worth your time, check out episode 31 from December 2nd, 2012 of oh, the wow. podcast. Crash No Crash Course is the episode, but we also talk about Sonic in that game. I was just looking it up while you were talking because I knew we did it years ago. Man, four years ago. Well, like three three and three quarter years ago. That's crazy. But no, seriously, it's a good game. But your point... Yeah, I'd recommend it. Anyway, yeah. um... The point is, there was a Samba de Amigo stage in that game, because obviously it's Sega, and you could play as Amigo. And, yeah, so I always started getting curious, like, oh, I need to figure out where this guy's from and play his game, and I found it at GameStop. It was one buck. And I'm like, well... It was, I thought it was more than that. It was only a dollar? It was only a dollar. Oh, I would have gotten a copy, too, then. So, I was like, well, okay, it, 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 I mean, it can't be great if it's only a buck. And I played it, and it, it, <laughs> it, it, it kind of works. Like, um... Yeah, it, you consider it a forgotten gem. Okay. Um, I I think I made it clear it wasn't exactly a gem. Just I know, uh, it's more of a, you have to try it type of thing. Yeah, I mean, if you see yeah. it for a buck, it's definitely worth a buck. I would say it's worth a little more than a buck. Maybe a lot more. I don't know. So, but, it's one of those situations where, like, there's a bag of M&M's and a copy of Samba de Amigo, you would recommend the copy of Samba de Amigo over the bag yeah, of M&M's? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um... Because they're about the same price. Yeah. But, um... Pretty much, it's it's just a rhythm game, and the gimmick here is um you play with maracas, and if you don't have the maraca peripheral, then you use a Wiimote with a nunchuck attached to it, and that works well. But you can also use two Wiimotes if you're playing single player, and that works a lot better. And pretty much you're raising your hand, you're pointing your arms out to the side, slightly up, slightly down. You press the A button to signify, I guess, the equivalent of shaking it. Mm-hmm. But, and some of the later levels get really intense with just all the motions, but it's fun for a little while, but I guess that specific kind of rhythm game, I guess, didn't, I don't know, I I guess it gets tiring a lot faster than I expected. Is it basically DDR for your arms? Like, are you hitting, because DDR, you have the arrows, are you hitting, like, points, You're you're pretty much um, seeing, there's a circle in front of you. Sure. And if the two points in the middle get lined up 
which is pretty much if the topmost part of the circle gets end up, then you're putting both hands in the air. Mm-hmm. If the two mm-hmm. on the side get lit up, then you're putting your hands on the side, and any point in between is just you're pretty much making an entire circle with your arms. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you could try to get away with it by doing minimal movement, but I mean, the game just gets tiring literally after a little while, and I guess also just tiring and mentally. Uh, yeah. Mentally laughing. It's funny because like the game um it has it has some catchy music. It's mainly a lot of like Latin music. Like there's um Aladdin. Not Latin. Oh, I thought you said Aladdin. I was like, why would we like? There's, Latin um, makes sense. Yeah. I forgot I forgot what the name of the artist, but there's like a, the Ole 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 song. It's like a Mexican yeah. soccer inspired. Yeah, thing. the Ole chant. Oh no! Um, oh man, I forgot. I want to say it's Ricky Martin or something. I don't think it's true. Oh, that one. Like, here we go. Da, da, yeah, that da, is Ricky da, Martin. And then, yeah, they have, like, a lot I of... I might be looking it up right now. Have, I don't know if we can legally play it, but... Eh. They have a lot of, like... It is Ricky Martin. Well, they just have a bunch of, like, random pop culture, like, Latin music, which is kind of cool. Like, you just, like... Like, they have them living the Vida Loca. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah, that's in there. All right, I'm going to party. I wonder how long we could play it before there's clearance issues. Um, that's probably... I'm going to stop. <laughs> Wait, what's it called? Ole, ole, ole. Oh, I guess that was right. And it is Ricky Martin. Yeah. Two for two. No. So, yeah, they, they have... Well, where's the chorus, though? They, they have that song, and they have a bunch of other ones, but... Oh, it, it's like... I recommend it if you find it, but I wouldn't trouble myself too much with it. I don't know, it's just a fun... It was it's a diversion. It, it was a fun like. experiment, because, I mean, you we have DJ here, we have Guitar Hero. Like, the one thing that you kind of feel like you never really want is, like, maracas. maracas. So, you kind of want to try it, and you do. And... I mean, oddly enough, or I guess not oddly enough, but if you have Rhythm Thief, there's a Easter egg mini game that it's just Samba de Amigos, but instead of shaking maracas, you press the D-pad and the and the face button, so X Y A B, because they kind of make a circle if you right because right. they're symmetrical. Yeah, and you, you do like a Samba de Amigo routine, like the characters using maracas and stuff, and it and it plays a song from the game. No, oh. so, is it? No. No, no. no. <laughs> I think that one's um the one in the game is an original song that they made for Samba de Amigos, but yeah, so that's Samba de Amigos. I feel like one thing that we should probably mention about it, just from when I watched you play it back in the day, and because it was in Racing Transformed, is the game has a lot of personality, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. it's so colorful. Yeah, it's if, like if you look at the the tracks they base off of it, it's like a. Like another LSD trip, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like LSD and Pokemon sexuality are the two running themes this episode. And it, <laughs> I mean, it is I mean, definitely I mean, the characters definitely look like they're on something. Like, their eyes are, like, bulged out. Everything is just so colorful and happy. I mean, they're... Just, they just want a better world. I mean, I guess they're just trying to replicate, like, festival or something. Yeah, like it's that. supposed to be, like, Rio's Carnival. Yeah. yeah. Or Carnival, Carnival, if you were normal. American and say it like a normal American, or and by normal American I mean American that purposely <laughs> says it Americanized because it is Carnival, but Carnival for us. World of Ghosts is pretty fun too. Yeah, that was yeah. that's a good way to shut me up. So yeah, the, the <laughs> final game we're gonna talk about is World of Goo. Yeah, so this was the World of Goo is interesting because like you don't realize how significant it was at the time, but looking back, it was like the Wii is Wii Wears the Wii Shop Channel's like first independent big independent game that was a hit. Is really the first success story for indie developers on an Nintendo platform, and it kind of paved the way for more WiiWare games, and ultimately the whole Nindie program on the eShop and everything. And it all 
boils down to this game by 2D Boy, who went on to do two other great games that we've talked about on the show and like a lot. Yeah, uh, Human Research Machine. And Little Inferno. Yeah, yeah, they're both great. Yeah, they're both great. So this is where it all started. And, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's very different than any other game we talked about. I feel like all three games we talked about are very, like, quick action, pick up and play, you're flailing your arms around because you're dancing, or you're flailing your arms around because you're driving a vehicle, or you're flailing your arms around because you're punching. But this one is more calculated moving, because what, what it is, is it's basically, like, I, I guess, almost like physics puzzles in a way. Like ge- geometry puzzles or architecture of sorts. So you have these goo balls, for lack of a better term, and the idea is you're put in a level and you need to get the goo, you need to connect the start point to the end point just by plopping these goo balls down with the Wii Remote. And when you plop them down, a little bridge forms between the goo balls, and you need, you're basically building like a little like matchstick tower bridge situation out of these guys. And it's all realistic physics, and you know, if you put too much weight in one part, the goo thing could collapse, and if it collapses, you're kind of stuck and you want to get in as few turns as possible ideally from the start to the end pipe and when you get to the end pipe then all the goo gets sucked into the pipe and you go on to the next location and there's four different like worlds so to speak where you go through and do these puzzles yeah basically when the goo gets sucked up it's filling up a tub and there's like a limit there's a line that says like all right you have to fill it up to this point and you beat the level you fill it up to this point, you get, like, bonus points because that's extra. Right. So you lose goo when you make bad decisions. Yeah. And sometimes, um, depending on what you're building, like, they do have these obstacles. Like, they'll have spinning saws and stuff like that, and that will just kill goo. Yeah. Or you have wasted transport goo. You have, like, different colored goo that do different things, and it's, it's cool. Yeah. It's a really, it's, it's a very simple cool. concept, but it's extremely well implemented. It has that personality that 2D Boy has in Little Inferno and Human Resource Machine, like, that, that art style... And that Almost weird, like Tim the, Burton-esque, yeah, but... like the Tim Burton-y situation, and like that over those overtones of like corporate greed and other things that all their games seem to have a plot uh, yeah, through line Corp. of yeah, Tomorrow Corp is Tomorrow Corp in it in, in name? Yeah, that's right. That's how they got started. Yeah, but yeah, so it, and it's cool because you can do it. I, if I remember correctly, it had co-op. You can do it by yourself, yeah. or you can have some friend play. Because I think we actually went through a yeah, good they, chunk they, of it. They also have years a, ago. they also have another mode where you just. Trying to build the tallest the tallest tower you possibly can, and that's it. And they had at one point, if I remember correctly, how you did in that influenced a stat that they were tracking online. Oh yeah, and it was all like it was like basically you're all building a tower commu- collectively, and it would get as high as it would get based on your progress on the local machine tower. I don't know. Obviously, the server's not up now, but I don't remember how long they kept that going. But yeah, I mean, I mean, World Goo, of all the games we talked about, it's, it's the most straightforward in terms of there's not a whole lot else to say, but it really did usher in this whole idea, on Nintendo systems at least, of being able to download games, not just go buy games, and to have these games from indie developers. And it was it was cool not just for that, but also just happened to be a really good game. Like, there was really nothing like it. It was right when, like, the idea of using the Wiimote as a pointer was kind of still fresh. So it, uh... Is the right game at the right time, much like Excite Bots was, and it was just or Excite Truck more than Bots, and um, yeah, it's just really good. So that that one's a little harder to come across now. It's on Steam, it's on iOS, I believe it's on Android. But if you want to play it like on Wii with the motion controls, you can't really get WiiWare on the eShop on the Wii. I don't think. So you'd have to. I don't even know if the Wii Shop channel is active still on it the Wii. Is it is because I am still able to. Download some games that I previously downloaded, but I don't know if you can buy new stuff. Yeah, because they phased out Wii points. So. Yeah. 
Remember when their Nintendo currency was Wii points? Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's a really cool game. So if you can somehow find it on any platform, I would highly recommend it. It's kind of a cool like know your gaming roots about like the two D boy crew and WiiWare and Nindies in general. Um, but yeah, definitely. There's not a ton to say unless I'm forgetting something. Um, that's about it. Interesting music too. It was yeah, great. yeah. It, it kind of has that same sort of kooky Tim Burtony situation with the yeah. music as like Little Inferno. Well, Little Inferno don't really have music, but. And neither does Human Resource Machine, actually. They kind of do, but it's like Yeah, well, they, have, they, have, they have themes. Ambiance, yeah. yeah. Or, am, yeah. Um, Little Inferno theme song. Oh, that's Little right. Little Inferno just for me. That's right. They had a whole, like, children's Commercial. chorus situation going on there. But yeah, so those are just a couple of the Wii's Forgotten Gems. There are many games that were on the Wii, but we thought, you know, since things are a bit slow in Nintendo World, not the, not the store, that we might as well... Um, highlight a few that we enjoyed and there's one final game we want to talk about so two episodes ago if i remember correctly angel you gave some early impressions of ace attorney six phoenix Wright's uh, uh spirit of justice mm-hmm. and now you've actually beaten it so here because yeah, i was saying earlier i guess in the last the last time i talked about it was that the ending could kind of make or break a game like this and so which did it do it definitely made it really love this game and I guess going into it, um, I actually just out of curiosity, like saw a couple different reviews from different sources, uh-huh. and it, it seemed kind of polarizing. Like some people either really liked it or some people really disliked the thing that I don't know that some of the stuff in the game like kind of went against the canon of some of the other stuff. I don't know. Like I didn't see any of that. Everything made sense to me. Sure, but the only thing, um, yeah, no, I I love that game. Like every. I thought every case was fun and enjoyable, and the overarching plot, like whether you could catch the, the twist coming. But I don't know that that, that game just had so many twists towards the end. Like you just don't even know. You can't. I don't know. Just when you think you figure something out, like they throw something, they throw everything on its head. Right. But the only thing that I guess is still that still kind of stands with what I said before is that um, I guess if anything, now more than ever, this game is definitely the most um, sequely of all the Ace Attorney games. Like this one, kind of like the kind of like the original trilogy. Like you can't really just start on Justice for All or Trials and Tribulations. You have to play Ace, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Part One and then Two and then Three. Right. Because they all build on each other. Like the trilogy, the first trilogy is just kind of its own thing. Then there's Apollo Justice, and starting the next trilogy, and then you have I guess those Destinies and this one. I feel like that second trilogy, you kind of have to play those three games to really enjoy this one. Mm-hmm. And this game, oh my god, like, whenever they're throwing references to older games, they make it so subliminal, like, towards the end, they're just like, like, like oh, should we tell them? I think it's time. And, but they don't even tell you, they don't tell you who Phoenix is talking to, they don't, they just keep using pronouns and stuff, they don't show you who he's talking to, uh-huh. like, it's just one of those things, like, oh, like, I know what he's talking to because I played part four, which, like, it was all about that, but, I don't know, they just kind of throw these... Easter eggs, quote unquote, or hints that they just seem they seem they seem too subtle. I wish they would at least like I don't give the people a bonus they've never played right. any of those. Yeah, that was like that's kind of like my only. I don't want to say it's an issue because it wasn't for me, but that's the only like thing I could say for people that haven't played it. Like, don't I don't want to say don't play it, but I would only recommend it if you've played specifically a um, Apollo Justice. 
Which, um, which is coming to iOS and Android. Yeah, because for a long time it was only available on the DS, and they kept reprinting it, so it was only 19 bucks. But yeah. if you don't have a DS or a 3DS, it's finally coming to iOS and Android, which is really cool, because I really like that game. But, again, that game was also very polarizing to fans. Like, fans either really liked it or they hated it. And I don't know where you lie on it. Well, but. that was the first one that didn't have Phoenix as the main protagonist, right? I mean, he was in it. He was still... He was cool. heavily in it, but yeah. it was about Apollo. It was like he, Apollo's angle on everything, right? Yeah, Apollo was pretty much just a playable character. Yeah. I mean, it had... I mean. But Phoenix pretty much, like, was, in, was behind everything. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he still makes a pretty big presence. Because, I mean, from the very beginning, the game starts with Phoenix being disparate. So you're like, what's going on? And Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because doesn't Bomb go off in the court or something? No, that's part five. Oh, whatever. He, he, he I his, sort of knew what I was talking about for he, a minute He, he lost his... Um, yeah, he lost his lawyer badge right. in part four. And in right. part five, well, that was his first game coming back as a lawyer. Right, okay. Yeah, it's a whole tale. It's it's like it's like asking you to start from Lord of the Rings, like the big the it, middle. It's like starting in the middle of book two. Okay, I guess it's more like Harry Potter. It's like telling you to start from year three. It's like, so then he got the Goblet of Fire. Who did? Harry. Wait, from who? Well, he's a friend named Ron. Who's Ron? Like, that sort of situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it, you, I mean, you really have to play all six, but at least in this case, you could kind of start from four, five, six instead of... So it's like two trilogies almost. But, yeah. yeah. One, two, three, and then four, five, six. And the nice thing is that, um, I mean, on iOS, you could get Ace Attorney HD, which is just one, two, three. Right. For one nice price. And then you, now you could get Ace Attorney 4, and Dual Destinies is already available for iOS and Android. So the only one that isn't on... I always, I guess, it's six. It's, yeah, six. But if you're listening to a Nintendo and, podcast, you probably have a way to play six currently, a 3ds. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it probably will be available eventually. So. Oh yeah, they pour them over in, in due time. Mm-hmm. Free money if they don't, like yeah. they won't throw away the free money. Yeah, so that's pretty much um, my your verdict. Your Not guilty. Wait. Sort of guilty. I don't know. Wait, what's guilty? Oh, well, guilty in what sense? Oh, uh, I don't know the. It's always guilty or not guilty. It didn't really apply. Yeah, it's like it, it doesn't. It doesn't work. I'm sorry. It doesn't really work. I'm so work. sorry. No, I'm I, just, so I, just, sorry. I, just, I just have to say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, on that <laughs> lovely note, I guess we'll start wrapping it up. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone. Our next episode is coming up on October 30th, and honestly, it's going to be a pretty big one. We're going to have impressions of Paper Mario Color Splash. Uh, I was hoping, in some magical way, I'd be able to give impressions on this episode, but. I was traveling, and that makes it difficult to play a game, because I don't take my Wii U to the airport, unlike some people. What? I know. But we're having pressures of that. We're going to have hands-on of the Pokemon Sun and Moon demo that comes out this coming week. Uh, plus, on the 26th, Nintendo's having their financial report, and usually they have a briefing that goes with it, and sometimes they announce things. In the past, they had uh, the existence of the NX. The NX was mentioned for the first time by name at one of those briefings. Uh the Universal deal was announced at the January briefing this past, this year. So who knows what's coming October 26th. But whatever it is, we will break it all down along with the number, the sales numbers and everything in our next episode. So that's three big reasons you don't want to miss it. Who knows what else there may be. So the easiest way to make sure you don't miss it is uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Music or whatever podcasting app you may use. You can follow us on Twitter at Nintendo so you can get a tweet when the episode's up. Uh... Yeah, those are really the only two. Um, but you can also follow us individually on Twitter if you're curious what we have to say about, uh, you know, Pokemon sexuality. I'm uh, JSR7, Angel is Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O. And, yeah, like I said, we'll be back in two weeks with a whole lot of news, a whole lot of impressions, and a whole lot of things that you don't want to miss. So, we'll see you then.